What's up, guys? Before we jump in the show, got to remind you about the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. You can order your flour, concentrates, edibles, topicals, and more online, and then head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And while you're there, use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. You know the code. I just said it. It's DNVR20. Use that code to get 20% off your purchase when you get that rich, tasty, CBD-infused coffee. Good morning, folks, and welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. Just Ryan Konigsberg and Zach Stevens for now, though Mace is on his way. Zach, how are you doing this morning? I am doing fantastic, Ryan. Didn't really say it yesterday because it just feels like a crazy thing to say, but happy offseason. I mean, now in terms of an NFL perspective, of course, the Broncos have been on offseason for about a month, but now it's the offseason. I mean, it almost feels like we're about to start 2020 season pretty soon with, with how it feels. Yeah, I actually looked at the time between then and now as the offseason right? because it's kind of nice. Well, as much as I would like the Broncos to be in the playoffs, it is kind of nice to just sit on the couch and watch the entire playoffs. <laughs> yeah. um, with that in mind, now that the Super Bowl is over, it's like, okay, well, like a couple weeks before the Combine. And as we know and we've learned over these years, once the Combine happens, it's a, it's a race to the end of the offseason. I guess you get to June, and then you have that break, and then it's like – it's yeah. basically – Combine happens, and then next thing you know, it's June. Yep, exactly, exactly. And, for I mean, Combine this month, free agency next month, the draft the month after that, and then we're in OTAs. Wild. It happens quickly. <laughs> it really does. So happy offseason and happy end of the offseason. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but with the offseason comes the way too early predictions for 2020 and not necessarily from a media perspective but from a Vegas perspective the second the Super Bowl ended Vegas dropped their 2020 odds for teams to win the Super Bowl and then of course yes you do have the media out there dropping you know the the early power rankings which is such a funny thing to do in my opinion because so many of these teams are going to look so different including the Chiefs and the 49ers and of course, the Broncos, but yeah, it keeps us interested. It gives us something to talk about. And today I want to talk about uh, where the Broncos are, because both of these places are giving you the same idea, which is that the Broncos are right around the 20s. Uh, in terms of odds, you've got the Broncos coming in at about 50 to 60 to 1. Is that what you've seen about, Zach? Yep, 50 to 75. Oh, 75. Yep. Jump on that. 
Um, <laughs> and then, so you got you've got fifty to seventy five, essentially. And in the power rankings that I've seen, you've got about twenty to twenty five. And in those in those odds, fifty to seventy five is about twenty to twenty five in terms of those odds. So the, what these places are saying is that the Broncos are a bottom third team next year. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Mace. Exactly. Good morning. Forgive me. My, uh, you know, you have number one and number two. <laughs> Been dealing with number three. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> hope you feel better, Mace. <laughs> I hope that I am not having to run to the bathroom while I'm doing this. I was very nervous when I was in the car. <laughs> Good lord. I hope you feel better. <laughs> Sorry. Know, we, we like being open on this podcast, but that's too far for me. It's a little too far for me. Well, the funny thing is, it's too far for my wife. If I'm dealing with it, she's like, I don't want to hear about it. You're a doctor. You're supposed to be able to deal with this stuff. I'm with your wife. But to answer your question, though, you just text me. Yeah, you can text me anytime. I don't care what, I don't care what you're doing. Anyways. Uh, the way Mace is feeling is kind of the way the Broncos' odds are. The way the nation is viewing the Broncos. Yeah, the the nation doesn't think the Broncos are very solid. <laughs> well, uh, they think they're they're pretty shitty. <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know we were actually using the word. No, there is one thing though that I was thinking about last night in regards to why the Broncos, despite ample reason for optimism, are considered by ESPN to be twenty first. Uh huh. Okay. Well, if you're looking at it from a big picture and you're not around it every day, you're seeing the overall arc of the Broncos the last four seasons when they've missed the playoffs every time. They are literally the first team since the 1968-71 to Packers to win a Super Bowl and then miss the postseason the next four years. And if they miss the postseason this year... They are the first team in the Super Bowl era to not make the playoffs in five years after winning the Super Bowl because the Packers were in the 72 postseason. And and that is what is governing this perception. And with The Broncos have to change that. They are perceived right now as a struggling franchise, and it will remain that way until they prove otherwise. They are perceived as Peyton Manning. The success was all on Peyton Manning from, from a national standpoint because – and that's that's what people see. They say, oh, they still – nope, yep, Peyton Manning hasn't walked in the door, so nope. Uh, John Elway hasn't done it yet. Uh, Drew Locke, ah, cute five starts is what he's had. They don't even know about those. And but if anyways, they do, they consider it like a September call-up in baseball. Right, exactly. And so that's how the Broncos are viewed. And so my question to you guys is can you blame them? Um, a little bit. Okay. Why? I understand it's like a we're in prove it mode type of thing. Until we see it from the Broncos, we don't believe it. But I, exactly what I just said. I don't think that they even know about Drew Lock. Um, they're they're, and I understand it from a from a certain point. They've been caught up in Lamar Jackson towards the end of the season, just absolutely, you know, dominating. Patrick Mahomes, even Deshaun Watson. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was on a tear. It was. It, it's understandable for someone whose job is to cover the NFL at large to not have noticed that Drew Locke came out, had five starts, went four and one, looked really good, destroyed the Texans. I can see how that kind of flew under the radar for them. 
So that's why I think that they're really sleeping on the Broncos. The reason the Broncos have been bad for four years is because they haven't had a quarterback. And now they have one. So it's kind of like a, can you blame them? No, not really. But I think they are missing something. So the only teams in terms of Super Bowl odds that have worse Super Bowl odds than the Broncos are the Dolphins, Giants, Lions, Panthers, and then significantly far behind the Redskins and the Bengals. Tied with the Broncos at 75-1, to 1, according to Caesars, at least when these were released, is the Jaguars. So, so they're so, saying the Broncos are the Jaguars. The Jaguars of the Rocky Mountain region. Real quick, to go back to those that list of teams. Let's yep. go through who their quarterback is. Okay, so Dolphins. So, no one. Tannehill. Uh, yeah. Did Tannehill. Or not Tannehill. Uh, Fitz, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick slash yeah. um, Tua. Is probably what they're assuming. Okay. Um, but even with Tua, then you're assuming is he healthy? Right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Giants. Daniel Danny Jones. Dimes. Danny, who had a good year last year, number yes. five overall pick. Solid, solid year. And he's losing his quarterback coach and his offensive coordinator. Yep. Yeah, that, that hurts. And head coach. Yep. Um, Lions. Matt Stafford. That one. That's curious because the Lions were actually a very competitive team with Matt Stafford. So this is the first one where we can say they for sure have a better quarterback than the Broncos. As it stands. And I, yes, I think the nation would also say the Giants do. Just looking at, yeah, since we're looking at the national thing. Because they're only looking at the draft status. Yeah. They're not thinking about the fact that when the two of them were on the same field for the same week back in January of 2019, that Drew Locke was the better quarterback than Daniel Jones, despite what Dave Gettleman might think. 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions is a good year yeah, and, and, out, out of Daniel Jones. Yeah, it was, though, it was solid like for sure. 12 and starts or something. For sure. But and I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking Drew Locke. No, but no, his, no, 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 no. His be, but his best starts were his first starts. And what then I'm he saying, had that huge game in Tampa Bay, and then he leveled off for a while. What all I'm saying is this, the, the, the national perspective would, I agree with you, Zach, say, oh, Daniel Jones, sixth overall pick. Had a good year. He's right. better than Drew Locke. They, what I'm saying yeah. is that they just don't know yet. Right. Sure. And that's fine. So, so we're saying like a consensus that the Lions only have the better quarterback right, so right. far. Panthers. I don't know who their quarterback is. It could be Cam. It could be Will Greer. It could be somebody Will from the draft. Greer. It could be Kyle Allen. I'd say Kyle Allen is the leader in the clubhouse right now. No, oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, Broncos, I would take Broncos for the sure. The thing about Cam Newton is he can't throw the ball anymore, which is pretty important for that position. Yeah, Although that Tim did. Tebow could argue otherwise. <laughs> well, they were once in the same quarterback room. It's very true. At Florida. You have the Redskins. Dwayne Haskins picked before Drew Locke. Definitely not consensus better and definitely worse overall team and franchise the very mm-hmm. true and then the Bengals, who uh joe burrow, joe burrow. can you pencil in joe burrow yes with being well, cincinnati but they're also no. two and 14 last year and it was a pretty pathetic two and 14 and it's if they draft burrow it's well and good and he has a chance to lead them to some good things long term but in the short run between the fact that they're rebuilding the entire roster and that they're in a division where they have to look up and see both Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger coming back and Baltimore with the league MVP at quarterback. Uh, the Bengals' chances are probably DOA. Okay, so that exercise worked. There's one team in that group that has a better quarterback than the Broncos as a consensus right now, and we can probably agree that they are a worse franchise. Yes. Okay, so now let's go the other way. Let's start 
going forward and do the same exercise. So tied with the Broncos, the Jaguars. Foles? If you, if you have two quarterbacks, do you have none yeah. in this situation? Foles or Minshew, new OC with Jay Gruden. Um, not one, consensus. Yeah. Right? It, it's also a desperate no, yeah, year for consensus. them because you have – you have a coach and a staff that is basically going to be coaching for their jobs this year. There's no – is there a seat hotter than Doug Marone's going into the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I almost forgot he was even the coach. So. Yeah, it's impressive he kept his job. So not a consensus there. Jets, Sam Darnold. Not a consensus. No. Not a consensus. The it's, nation would – The nation would disagree, but, I, I mean – It's a chaotic franchise right now. Sam Darnold is a good down. quarterback. I'm I'm not trying to argue against that. I just think that it's he hasn't proven himself to be uh I don't know. Fair. A I mean, high he, level he, NFL he hasn't, starter. He hasn't at this proved point. himself. What yet. was the Jets record uh with Sam Darnold at quarterback last year? I don't know. Check it out. Because I think that's something at least when they're setting these lines, that's probably something that that comes into play. Oh, uh, the Jets were seven and six when Sam Darnold played last yeah. year, yeah. and zero and three without him. So, okay, yeah, you can. Despite everything else with the Jets, you can kind of see that, right? Uh, Cardinals, rookie of the year. Yeah, um, um, year Cardinals. That that let, one is a um, an interesting one because you have you got you had a rookie who came out and played really really well. the The design of the offense to fit him was pretty perfect. Um, I would say that most people would say that the Cardinals have a better quarterback situation than the Broncos. It's, it's a consensus. And the, and the way I'm – maybe it's not fair in terms of doing the consensus. I'm looking outside of Denver, so trying not to have any what of a view of Denver, which – so I'm looking at the national perspective. Yeah, and I'm trying to look at You're trying our to combine them. Right. Um, with that one – so how far ahead of the Broncos are they? Sixty to one, so Versus, fifteen better. Seventy-five. Oh, you whose odds are these? These are Caesars. Okay. Um, I don't think the Cardinals have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than the Broncos, but from a quarterback perspective, uh, I I I, I think that's fair. It's just interesting because like you go through different odds, like the DraftKings sportsbook has the Cardinals at sixty-six to one, and the Broncos at fifty to one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think that's probably a more 50 and 75. I th- yeah, exactly. I think not necessarily the Broncos, but the fact that Broncos have ha- have lower odds than the Cardinals. I think that's a more fair assessment because that look, Arizona that defense is putrid. Right. And I don't think they're going to fix that in one off season, especially not with their defensive coordinator. Anyways, let's keep going. Uh Buccaneers 50 to 1. We don't even know who their quarterback is. So, that one definitely not. Falcons 40 to 1. Okay, so Matt this Ryan. is there's a jump here. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. This is where the Broncos are nowhere has the Broncos in this category. Right. At 40 or lower. Nope. And at with Matt Ryan, we can say that they definitely have a better quarterback than the Broncos and I think we're going to start to see a pattern here. Colts 35 to 1. Never mind. I don't think that <laughs> is part of the assumption with the Colts that either Brissett takes a jump or they're in play for somebody else. Let me ask you this. The Colts Good football team, right? Yep. Do they have a better defense than the Broncos? The pause is all I needed. We can't really be sure. Right. It's not consensus. Um, do they have better, like, so, top, like, do, do they have a better, do the Broncos have a better player than Darius Leonard right now on their defense? Could you no, argue maybe. just, 
Maybe right. Justin Simmons. Maybe yeah. Bradley Chubb if he's healthy. Maybe Von maybe Miller Vaughn. If he plays to his ceiling. But but a lot of maybe. The answer there. is the the defenses are both very good. Yeah. And they have a better offensive line than the Broncos. That's for sure. Absolutely. But what about after that? It, I feel like those are two pretty similar teams. Mm-hmm. And, and don't and the, as we saw when they played, and it came down to the last play of the game. They're similar right. teams, and they got there in different ways because while the Broncos won four of their last five, all with Drew Locke, the Colts lost five of their last six. Yeah, they're both seven and nine, but you you'd rather get to seven and nine the way the Broncos did, which is building momentum stepping forward rather than the Colts really backsliding in the last month plus. I'll take the the Week 17 Broncos versus the Week 17 Colts in a neutral site all day long. The only, because because the, of the quarterback, yeah. it, it's the offensive line is a big difference, though. Yes, for sure. They have a great offensive line, and I think that's what allowed Jacoby Brissett to be semi-successful. They, ha- they have a great offensive line, but also they're in five of their, in five of their last eight games – they didn't surpass 17 points, which tells you with a great offensive Yikes. line and would you say an above-average pass-catching core with what they have in Eric Ebron, T.Y. T-Y. Hilton? Yeah. Okay. Right around the With middle. that, it was an inert offense down the stretch, which is why you hear rumblings about them maybe even talking to Tom Brady, maybe talking to Phillip Rivers, being in that quarterback conversation. Okay, now we have the Bears at 30 to 1. Okay, definitely not. That is a terrible line. <laughs> I agree. The Bills at 30 to 1. Give me the Bills think, way yeah, before the, Bills. the Bears. Yeah, oh, yeah. Seriously. And also at 30 to 1, the Titans. So, okay, I expected there to be a bunch of consensus better than the Broncos. So, I think the Broncos should be in this group. And we're not even done with this group yet. The Texans, 30-1. to 1. Probably a consensus there, although mm, yeah. you could have the argument when they went head-to-head. Drew Locke was better. But now for these two next teams at both 30-1, to 1, Chargers and Raiders. Guys, according to Caesars, these two teams in the AFC West, we're not even talking the Chiefs yet, have over double or two times better odds you, you know why? to win the Super Bowl. Your boy, of the TB, chance of getting your boy TB12 may be going to either destination. That's so silly. TB12, Tom Brady. Except I don't think he is. I think he stays in New England now. What? Because of because now we've seen the, that the tweet was just a promotion for a Hulu commercial? No, and... because uh, they're willing to pay him $30 million. Yeah. I think that's I mean, what Tom's wanted is to show the money. And he's gone to some crazy lengths, like moving his family to kind of force the Patriots' hand. He can take a helicopter, though, from Fairfield County to Foxborough if he wants to. But he can't do it to Las Vegas from Fairfield County. No, but I think uh, Las Vegas or Los Angeles, you could you can sell the bride and the family on being there for a couple of years. I'm sure you could. I can <laughs> renew their vows in Vegas. <laughs> Uh, so still not a consensus there Still, in terms of the quarterback this is the, position. This is the group the Broncos belong in. Vikings, 25-1. to 1. That's where you start getting uh, teams who have good they, quarterbacks and yeah, just wait. good teams. Just wait. Browns, 25-1. to 1. <laughs> Good God. I mean, they do have a good quarterback and a good team. It's just they it, have a terrible It's the franchise. assumption that Freddie Kitchens was Holding grossly incompetent and that – any coach, even a new one like Kevin Stefanski, has to be better, and thus the Browns have to be better. And also, don't forget, 
when you're talking about these odds, you're also factoring in how much money you're going to get from fans of, of those teams. The Browns are a bad franchise, but have a lot of fans nationwide. Right, right, exactly. Uh, the Rams. Real quick, I have no faith in Kevin Stefanski as as the guy to turn that around. How? Why did they not get someone who's proven? Well, I know they liked Kevin Stefanski a couple of years ago, but if they were basing hiring him off what the what the Vikings offense did last year. They're in a world of trouble because that was the Gary Kubiak show. Yeah, and and, and I think we're going to find out in this season from the Vikings that they were, they were able to keep the guy who helped make that who made that work, who was more responsible for it, in Gary Kubiak. Because I don't think their offense is going to take a step back without him. I think the thing with the Browns that is so interesting is that they prioritized harmony with harmony with Paul D. Podesta harmony with the analytics component of the organization as the driving force behind this hire rather than what was necessarily best for Baker Mayfield and the just, guys in the locker room. I just wanted them to get someone who knew what the hell they were what what they were doing. And that's why you like, already have a talented roster. You don't need to be rolling the dice on an up and coming coach who's gonna like, you know, bring them to the top. They should have been head over heels for Mike McCarthy. And they probably were until John Dorsey fell on the outs and was gone. Because McCarthy was John Dorsey's guy, and Dorsey's instinct way back when they hired Freddie Kitchens, Dorsey's first instinct was he was going to bring in Mike McCarthy then because he'd just been fired by the Packers. But Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield seemed to be getting along. Mm -hmm. They had momentum down the stretch. They didn't want to disrupt it. Look, it's like when the Bucks promoted Dirk Cutter. They fired Lovey Smith to make sure Dirk Cutter didn't go anywhere because, oh, he's working well with Jameis Winston. How did that work out? Yeah. Not very well. <laughs> That's enough Browns talk. Keep going. <laughs> hey, I love Browns talk. Rams. I've had enough Brown talk for this morning. Oh, no, wow. Rams, <laughs> 25 to 1. Speaking of quarterbacks, is there a consensus there? No, but no. you figure there's a bounce back that they settle somewhere between where they were in 2018 and where they were this past year. So that's they, that's the key why. to their team is Todd Gurley and I don't feel confident in him. Which is why they need to find a, a running back out of this draft. Even with But their, they got Henderson is that his name? Darnell Henderson. Darnell Henderson. If they can work him in more great, but if not they need to make sure they've got somebody in the wings. As they're paying Todd Gurley tons of money. Eagles twenty five to one. Yep. I I'd I'd say maybe they should even be have better odds than that. Yeah, that's I think good value. I that, like that feels value. like it feels like they should be about fifteen to one rather than twenty five to one. Seahawks twenty two to one. That's maybe a, maybe value play there. That's I think. a good. That's a good number I for like them. Both of those. I'd be, I'd be putting money on those. How look how close the Seahawks were to having a bye week and, and ousting San Francisco. It actually, I'll call it right now. Seattle wins the NFC West this year. I wouldn't bet you. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Cowboys eighteen to one. No. I'm not a Dak guy, but uh, see, to me, they should be about where the Eagles are, twenty-five to one. Yeah, I'd trade I'd give the, the Cowboys and better Eagles. odds. Yeah. yeah, I definitely would. I, so, like again, I now that the Broncos have a quarterback, I don't think it's that obvious that the, the Cowboys are better than them. Well, because it's it's in Denver. There's hope that Drew Locke's the quarterback. That's, Outside, there's there's no, no one knows hope. who he knows. knows and, who, no right. one knows who he is exactly. yet. Exactly, and so we they have don't to, believe that Denver has a quarterback. And they're going to keep Dak, but look what they're going to lose. They're going to lose Byron Jones. Oh, keeping Dak is a mistake. Yeah, 
they're they're going to lose arguably more talented players elsewhere on the roster in order to keep Dak Prescott. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. So Byron Jones could be making his way from Dallas to Denver. Fine by me. What I'm saying mm-hmm. here is that because they don't know about Drew Locke yet, you can get incredible value on the Broncos right now. Now, are they going to win the Super Bowl? Most likely not. But if you are uh, experienced in this sort of thing and taking prop bets, you can still make a lot of money off of the Broncos, even if they don't win by hedging and doing all that sort of stuff. So I think the Broncos belong in that 30 to 40 to 1 category. I mean, this isn't a shocker, but what this all comes down to is Drew Locke. Yep. If he is the guy, then he the, the Broncos should be, where, 30? Probably if he is the guy. Right, right in the group of unproven teams that have a good quarterback. Right. And and young up and coming teams. If Drew Locke pans out to be average, well, then fifty is probably right, especially for this year. Maybe fifty, sixty. With the seventy five, they're saying that Drew Locke is not the guy. And if Drew Locke's not the guy, well, I mean, the Broncos approved it since Peyton Manning left. They're, that's probably where they should be. I mean, what were they, seventh on this list or something? That's about their average draft position since well, since Trevor Simeon left, at least. And that's about where they should be. So that exactly points to why they're there, is the nation is saying, Drew Locke's not the guy. I think all of us in the room would say that that's not the case. Now, to some extent, we may differ a little bit. But yeah, I certainly, certainly think they should probably be double where they are right now. They should be right, right mid-30s. 40s between 30 and 40 like you said okay Ryan. what yep. do you think of the like i'm looking at vegasinsider.com as well they actually have afc and nfc championship odds too cool so what do you think of the 30 to 1 number to win the afc title that puts them ahead of the of the jaguars bengals and dolphins even with the jets behind the chargers colts texans titans bills and raiders all at 20 to 1 to win the afc I think being on par with the Jets is probably a fair place. And I think actually from a national perspective, that's generous. Because I think the nation is way higher on Sam Darnold than they are on Drew Locke. And I think why it evens out is because it's the Jets organization mm-hmm. against the Broncos. So the Broncos' mm-hmm. trust, uh, trustworthy organization historically gives them that boost. Either uh, It's essentially the same odds were just splitting it. I just think, I really think they're sleeping on Drew Locke. I was watching the NFL Network this morning, and they're talking about, you know, the great quarterback rivalries of the next decade, and they're saying, oh, Lamar and Mahomes, is that going to carry the NFL? And uh, and they said, oh, don't forget about Deshaun Watson. And again, I understand why they don't know about Drew Locke yet, but I think he's going to be in that conversation. Well, what those three quarterbacks you mentioned have in common is that they have all each already started in multiple postseasons. Right, exactly. And Again. Drew Locke just isn't there. But this season is about seeing whether he has the potential to join that conversation. Now, exactly. That's why I say I don't blame them for not knowing yet. But I, I firmly believe they're going to know by the end of next year. The odds I would love to see that I was just searching for and I haven't found anywhere just yet, I would like to see odds for simply making the playoffs. Yeah. Because if... These are the odds we're seeing for AFC Championship and Super Bowl. Uh, what are we talking about for postseason qualification? 15 to 1, 12 to 1? I'd be all over that. Yeah. Because I, I don't think they win the division. I think if they get to the, to the postseason that 
you're hoping that they steal an upset win on the road as a wild card, but I I like the odds of that sort of season rather than anything further than that. Well, and what, what's probably hurting the Broncos is the Chiefs have the best odds to win the Super Bowl at 6-1, to one, so they probably knock every team in the AFC West at least a little because of that, and I, I think that's understandable, but the fact that the Chargers and the Raiders are, like I said, have about double the better odds than the, than the Broncos. And the Broncos finished in second place, didn't they? So, right, yeah. yeah. So so my question is, are we too close to the Broncos? Not necessarily wearing the orange-tinted glasses, but just too close to what's going on, or maybe too far removed from what's going on in Los Angeles or now in Las Vegas. I think this is the rare case where we have the advantage because we're, we were paying attention. We saw Drew Locke, and I think a lot of people are – they maybe they know about the, the Texans game and they think, oh yeah, he had one good game. Um, but four and one, I I watched it with my own eyes. I saw Drew Locke. I saw the way he carries himself. I saw the the uh, the locker room rally around him. I think I have a, a wealth of knowledge about this that the people who are in charge of this just don't have. And now I'm higher on Drew Locke than any than anyone else. I mean, I have been so high on him for the past year. But maybe they're saying, okay, five games, that was just him getting out ahead of the curve. Once the NFL adjusts to Drew Locke, then he's going to come back to earth. And then we're going to see the footwork problems that we saw at Missouri. We're going to th- see the uh, the accuracy issues. I don't believe that. I don't think you improve something like accuracy uh, th- during a full season. I know it was only five games, but he was working on it in a full season in the NFL. I don't think you improve that, and then all of a sudden that just goes away when you practice more. So I don't think that'll be the case, but that's what the NFL has to be saying is that, ah, fluky five games didn't really matter. Teams they were playing outside of the Texans didn't really matter. Meh. Yeah. And again, that is a fair place to be from their perspective. I understand why they're there. Um, I still think that the Tom Brady thing is one reason why we're talking about the Raiders and Chargers having uh, lower odds oh, without than the doubt. Broncos. It has to be because no one doubt. even knows who the uh, the Chargers quarterback is. Right, he, and and that's that's uh, and and what's happening is people may just look at that number and say, "Oh, I'll, I'll take a flyer. They might get Tom Brady." And then, well, especially from a ball. betting perspective, because right. wherever Tom Brady goes, if it's back to New England, if it's the Chargers, if it's the Raiders, those odds are people are going to flock to that and immediately. The, and the Raiders' odds will always be interesting now that they're in Vegas. Mm. Good point. Because we see it with other teams. Like we, you know, the, the Packers in point spread probably get a one and a half point bump because of the money that comes in on them because there are simply a lot of Packer fans. Yep. You see that from other teams with uh, wide fan bases as well. Sometimes you see that from the Broncos. Yeah. When they say the Broncos are playing the Chargers, a lot of money comes in on them. Uh, just because there are more Bronco fans in Vegas than there are Charger fans. So according to ESPN's power rankings, the Broncos are number 21, and the Raiders are number 20. So just edging them out. Do you think that's better, more realistic, instead of you know them being 12 and the Broncos 21, kind of like the other odds are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think the Raiders have any business being in front of the Broncos. But that is closer, for sure. Do you have what it says about the Broncos there? I do, and that's an interesting thing. Reason for optimism. 
They have the largest combination of salary cap space and draft picks in John Elway's tenure as the team's top football executive. And then the reasoning continues. The Broncos will have more than $60 million in cap space before making a single roster move and project to have 12 draft picks at the moment, five of those coming during the first two days of the draft. Toss in the fact that eight-time Pro Bowler Von Miller has already started his off-season workouts with one of his private trainers and canceled a five-week trip to Australia to keep working, as well as the 4-1 and one finish in quarterback Drew Locke's five starts, and you have the foundation of hope. That now, was written by Jeff Legwell. What is always interesting about those capsules with these power rankings is that you have, I believe, 80 people involved in compiling these power rankings, a group of which Jeff Legwald represents one part of that 80. And thus what happens, because you have the beat writers writing the paragraphs about these teams, they tend to be more optimistic than their ranking reflects. I think if Jeff, if you ask Jeff Legwald where the Broncos ranked, he'd probably have them five or six spots higher. It's just fun. It, it took until the very last sentence to get Drew Locke in there, which I think is crazy. Well, right. also, what do we know about uh, Jeff Legwald and what he thought about uh, getting Drew Locke out there this season? Right. We know that he was wrong. <laughs> well, the reason for optimism, in my mind, I imagine, Ryan, in your mind, and maybe even Mace's too, is just simply Drew Locke. Starts there, and then you go to the other stuff. Bradley the Chubb way I would write back. this is if, <laughs> The way I would write this is, the Broncos look to have found their quarterback after going a 4-1 and one with Drew Locke over the last five games of the season. And to add to that, they have 12 picks in the draft, a ton of caps. But it, then you go – you got to start with Drew Locke. I think it's it, – that this is clear that even though we're close to the Broncos, we're still higher on Drew Locke than other people that cover the Broncos. And also, let's say – that all of these beat writers wrote the reason for optimism and then everyone looked at the reasons for optimism and kind of ranked them. The reason for optimism for the Broncos, according to Jeff, is the largest combination of salary cap space and draft picks in John Elway's tenure as the team's top football executive. That may be a negative from most of the people because they'll say, oh, well, he was good with free agents when he had Peyton Manning, but that was Peyton Manning, so I'm going to discount everything he did with Peyton in terms of free agents. What's he done with free agents since? Nothing. Don't Don't look. It's, well, been, it's been really bad. So they point to that and say, okay, uh, that's what he's done. And drafting, yeah, ah, one or two here, but what? He's been the GM? He's 10th year? Not, yeah, okay, nope, not a good drafter either. So, so that's what the nation could see too. And yeah. what's interesting, you go four spots down, to the New York Jets, and it says the reason for optimism just says GM Joe Douglas. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Wouldn't it be Sam Darnold again? Yeah, again, Sam Darnold, you know, learning. It says, yeah. It's going to be, uh, hopefully, is healthy. I, I, love, I love the paragraph on Joe Douglas, which is, it's his first offseason with his jet, the Jets, his first chance to replenish a roster at lacks talent in many areas, even though Douglas is somewhat of an unknown in his first GM gig, he's being embraced by the organization and its frustrated fan base because he represents hope. So your their reason for optimism is basically the An unknown commodity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and th this is the last one I'll read. The Carolina Panthers' reason for optimism, last place schedule, question mark? <laughs> and then the first line is, seriously, there isn't much room for optimism. Yikes. Oh. How about Christian McCaffrey, the best back in the NFL? That's the last sentence of this. It says, okay, if you need optimism, Christian McCaffrey is back. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. These Broncos aren't in that realm. Me remember. Sure. What's, so what's the reason for optimism for the Raiders? The Raiders, one spot above the Broncos. You have um, a new home and a new yard. 
What? And then it gets, <laughs> and then a, cu- a few, a few lines in it says, because as general manager Mike Mayock said recently, something we've mentioned to where as well, players and agents alike are well aware that there is no state income tax in Nevada. Wow. And you can gamble all your money away if you are. <laughs> so you can double your money. Is what you're telling me. Yes. Just put it on black. <laughs> Man, could you imagine if that's a negotiating tactic for John Gruden? Some players like, I want 12. And he's like, we'll give you eight. And he's like, well, I want 12. And John's like, I know how you can make another four million. head over to MGM. And- <laughs> well, we said like with a $15 million contract compared to, say, Massachusetts, you get $750,000 more in Las Vegas than you do in Foxborough. Right. Because you don't have the state income tax. It, this does matter. It's an advantage that Florida teams have as well. How's that worked out for them? Not, not particularly well. <laughs> Which is shocking. I don't know how the, those states haven't capitalized on that. I mean, it worked for the Heat. Yep. Yep. Is that it? It's probably that. that yes. I mean, you get the Miami Marlins. That was just a weird the situation. The Tampa Bay Lightning does well. Yeah. So there yeah, you go. I think hockey players care about money the least out of any of the sports. Smallest contracts. Yeah, and I just think well, all the like, more reason to keep like your Nathan money. McKinnon <laughs> aren't like I, I just he doesn't live a, a millionaire lifestyle. I think right. hockey players care about team culture, maybe more than other sports. I and mean, they have the. It seems like they have the best. Like at least from my perspective, the Avs are like all best friends. Well, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of goes back to the NBA and what there's. It's so hard from what I've heard to get a connection with players when you're a media member, when you're a fan, because these NBA players make an absurd amount of money where they they can't even connect with, like, NHL players probably because they're just on such a different level. I mean, Gary Harris makes more money than Vaughn Miller. Who? Gary Harris played 31 minutes the other night and scored three points. <laughs> yeah, what was it, four years, $80 million contract? It's what, yeah. ha- it's what happens Ooh. when you are the only truly global sport in this country. Well, and... The, I mean, the players, are, you only have, you know, 12 to 14 right. players on a roster. So Ex- lower, ex- everything, all expenses are lower. Yeah. Heck, insurance premiums are lower just because, I mean, guys get hurt in the NBA, but you don't have the rate of concussions and things like that. that yeah. You do. It's, I mean, but it is crazy to think those NBA guys, they're all making more money than the, than the NFL players that we know. What is yep. the NBA minimum salary? I don't know. You're but, doing all right. If, uh, if you're if you have a name and you play, you're making ten million dollars. Yeah, a year. I mean, if you are a an above average guy who hits free agency at, at this point, you're getting a max contract. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's absurd. It's wild. I mean, Jamal Murray's playing on an, a max contract. I want to believe in Jamal Murray more than anything. Right. He hasn't proven anything yet. Nope. <laughs> nope. And this is and this is why the NBA doesn't want to piss off China. Because if you're looking for what's helping those salaries reach these ridiculous levels, it starts with being arguably the biggest, uh, sp- the, the, the biggest sporting interest in the most populous nation in the world. That was a, one of the most awkward, weird sporting things that's happened in a long time. It yeah, is, it but you could argue that the NBA is more prominent in China than it is in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It probably is. Yeah, I, just hearing stories about how they handled the news of Kobe was incredible. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't see anything about that. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it, it hit them just as hard as it did here. Crazy. 
Coronavirus, well, Kobe Bryant. So you're saying it's been a bad few, very, very bad few weeks in China? It's been a very bad few weeks. Yikes. Um, all right. I think that was a, an, an interesting discussion. For me, I think that, that the world is in for a, a rude awakening for overlooking Drew Locke. Um, and, and again, I understand why it happened. But I just think that all of a sudden the Broncos are going to come out and go 3-0, and and the world is going to say, wait, who, what's going on over there? But Drew that, Locke? Here's- that happens with every team that comes out of nowhere. You're perceived as a loser until yeah. you're not. I mean, on a championship level, the Chiefs are perceived as chokers, as a team that always melts down the postseason until they're not. Yep. And, we, you know, the Washington Capitals a couple of years ago in the NHL, the Nationals – in baseball, you're perceived as something, and then it flips. And it's possible that the Broncos flip the perception of themselves that has built up over the last four years. Sometimes it's sudden, and it's always surprising, but we see it happen time and time and time again. I just think we're going to hear people saying, where did this guy come from? What, what's going on here? And we're just going to be sitting over here like, yeah, we knew this was coming. I think it's going to be a little more tempered. Because even if Drew Locke plays well, which I think he will, I think people are going to say the good things. Where did this guy come from? Oh, my gosh, the Broncos. But they still have to go up against Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs. And I just I think that's going to be the national sentiment. Not For sure. what I think, but I think, I think that is going to happen. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it takes – a full season for Drew Locke to, to, to be on the level nationally that we think he is, or maybe even two seasons. Like, next offseason, we're still talking about him him busting out on a national level. How, how is Josh Allen, and how, and how are the Buffalo Bills perceived this past year? Because I think that's how it looks for the Broncos in 2020. Right. Josh Allen, I, I still think he was very under the radar for, for how he was on a mm-hmm. national level. That, for sure. But, I, I mean, people knew about him the thing is he was never like a he was he didn't jump out to an incredible start from a stats perspective I think that could happen for Drew Locke I think that he could come out and and you know in week one throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and all of a sudden everyone's like who's that you know and the Broncos whatever and then maybe the Broncos have a Monday night football game against the Chiefs and like that's his chance to really show the world yep it could. It could. And maybe that's the game where you would say, okay, they're not quite there yet because kind of like the Buffalo Bills right. had a couple that's of chances against the, Patriots. against the Patriots. They had that Saturday game in December on national television, and they played well. They gave a credible effort, but they fell short. I'm excited and Maybe to that's see. how it looks for Drew Locke and the Broncos this year against the Chiefs, and you know what? That's okay. Yeah, that's- and, and that that's kind of – I didn't want to go all the way there, but – that's what could happen. The Broncos start 3-0, and people saying, oh my gosh, it's Drew Locke guy, a uh, big national game potentially, and then if Patrick Mahomes beats him, then that's going to continue that just more so, okay, yeah, Drew Locke's good, but, but, oh man, do you see Patrick Mahomes again, and now the Broncos have to go up against them. For sure, yeah, I mean, they're going to, either he, they would have to beat him, or it would have to be a classic, you know, head-to-head, throw-for-throw type of thing where people show up the next day and say, oh, this could... You know, that's that's when I'm expecting the narrative change. The Broncos and Chiefs have a clash. Drew Locke plays really well. Even if they lose, people are saying, maybe this was the rivalry that we didn't see coming. Well, and the other thing that's interesting to consider is that 
it's not just those Chiefs games that represent that opportunity. There may be a couple of other games on the schedule that represent that. If Drew Brees comes back to the Saints, for example, the Saints come to Denver. That's a game where Drew Locke and the Broncos would have an opportunity to show that, hey, that they belong at that stratum. All right. It all comes down to Drew. It all and, comes and, down to Drew. And Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, too, because they're going to have Big Ben back. That's another game that looks like it could be a chance for the Broncos to show people what they've got. Yep. All right, shout-out to Breckenridge Brewery before we move on. The best beers. I love that you guys are still sending them up, sending those to us. Make sure you do. We love when you send us your Breck brews, what you're drinking. You got the variety pack. Let us know which one you had. Someone – uh, told us they had like a nitro orange chocolate stout. The other, yep. I've never even mm-hmm. seen that before. Now I got to try that. So love it when you guys send us your pictures of your Breck brew and, and give us your reviews of uh, which ones are your favorite. You know what else we love is Breck brews at the Blake Street Tavern. This is the place for all sports. It is, it's such a fun environment. You can get Breck brews. You can get delicious food. I mean, you can't go wrong with anything on their menu. And... You get the best environment in Denver to watch sports. Couldn't couldn't agree more. Uh, it's huge. The beer selection is amazing. The food is fantastic. Make sure you head it over to the Blake Street Tavern. And it's February, so that means we're getting close to baseball season, and there's no better place to either catch a ball game or to start to pregame a ball game because, what, two blocks away from Coors mm-hmm. Field? I mean, so close. Such a fun atmosphere yeah. down there in Lodo. Hey, forget not just those after. Absolutely. You know, oh, yeah. Yep. You have six, 641st pitch time if it's a crisp three-hour game, which doesn't always happen at Coors <laughs> Field. But, you know, let's say Kyle Freeland is back to his 2018 form. Oh, please. And you've got a nice little two-hour and 35-minute gem yep. of a five-hit game and the Rockies win. Go to, Breck, to, go to Blake Street Tavern and have a Breck brew after the game as well. There it is. Especially because you probably think if you've taken a, a train downtown, you haven't had a beer in a little bit because they cut off beer sales at Coors Field. <laughs> All right, let's get to the people. A lot of questions coming in today. Uh, and Mace, I think this first one is uh, on your docket. I believe it is, although I had oh, I had newest comment at the top, so I didn't see it at first, but now I do. It's because it's from our friend Count Locula. One of the many things that is hilarious about how sports are covered in the last 20 years is the speed at which narratives change. Last week, Shani Jr. was portrayed as king of the world, boy genius and suction. Now he's vilified as the guy that lacks the killer instinct and blows fourth quarter leads in the playoffs. Imagine if your own narrative changed so dramatically on a daily basis. Spooky. Imagine it. One day you are sipping metaphorically from your number one dad mug, and the next morning you are gathering your garments from the grass and living in a pup tent near a garbage lot, maybe flying a plane full of rubber, rubber dog crap back and forth from Hong Kong for work. Somewhere in the background, the Eagles' New York Minute is always playing for the rest of your life. Love the count. Wow. It's dark timeline. <laughs> it's yeah. a dark time, but it just shows. We, we talked about how things and perception change kind of on a dime sometimes. Well, and just look at the other side. Andy Reid. Look at how his perception just changed. The guy that can never get it done. And now he's a Hall of Famer. Now he's a Hall of Famer. Now he's, you know, built one of the best offenses of all time. How long is it going to last for? And he can get it done. Yeah. I mean, your narrative is your narrative until you do something to change it. <laughs> yep. The problem with Shani is he did the narrative was already in place and then he played into it. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. This gave the narrative more fodder. Yep. This is this is like some of the playoff losses were for Andy Reid. 
again, it's the narrative until it changes. I remember when people said Peyton Manning, oh, he can't win a playoff game. Crazy to think that. Or he can't win in the cold. Yeah. Yep. Next one coming in from Manning's Forehead. In my ethics and diversity in sports journalism class, we just talked about how having writers vote for MVP in a Hall of Fame is a violation of the sports or SPJ code of ethics. Specifically, act independently. I don't think it's bad, and I know you don't all either, but what are your thoughts on this subject? In my eyes, the coaches, GMs, owners, fans are all much more biased than the media. If it weren't for the media voting, Alex Caruso would be an all-star for the rest of his career. Again, not trying to call you out or anything. Just thought it was funny how we just talked about this in class. I got back to my dorm and turned on this pod and start with this topic in class. Here's my take on this. If you're thinking about this stuff as it relates to sports journalism, you're just taking the whole thing too seriously. It's In the end, it's sports. It's not life and death. And so it's okay for Jeff Legwald to be representing the Broncos in the Hall of Fame discussion, even though he covers the Broncos. It doesn't, it, it do, it's, it doesn't matter. It's, it, what, so what if he's, he's supposed to be leaning towards the Broncos? And I guess that can affect him in some other way. But, I mean, you should be able to support a cause and also view the team from an independent perspective. I think also, though, that – you have the ability to have an outsized influence when you have a small group. Like One thing I think that's a problem with the Hall of Fame selection committee is that it's only 48. I think it should look more like baseballs, which is about 1,000, which basically every, every writer who regularly covers a baseball team and is a part of the, is, is part of the voting, right? If you're in the BBWA, mm-hmm. you, you get a vote. I think you have to be in the BBWA for, for five a certain to seven amount. years or right. something. Right, but basically... But basically what happens is you have so many people voting that you're able to dilute the influence of individuals who may have a bias compared to just the 48 in the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection committee room. An example of how this has come up, Randy Gratishar. There was one voter in particular, I believe it was Paul Zimmerman, longtime writer for Sports Illustrated, who was very anti-Randy Gratishar said that the tackle totals that were compiled were were basically false. That what he got was because everything was funneled toward him and he was not that good of a player. And that is a reason why Randy Gratishar never got any traction. I don't like having the local angles on it because then I think that everyone just pulls for their own causes and then there's probably more people out on the East Coast and then these clicks start forming. Um, and... The way to break it up probably is by making it even bigger like that. Mm-hmm. But then you don't really, if you have a thousand people, then you have to change the Hall of Fame voting system because you're not having a thousand people in this room like they do now. And and I think that's a cool, intimate setting to do it. But I I don't like could, having yeah. the local bias. You could have a conference and have everyone there. The thousand people. I mean, you would still only have so many presenters. Right. But you could have a thousand people in a room listening to presentations before they put their votes in. You could do yeah, it at the combine for crying out loud. I mean, with all the media that shows up convention. for that. Yeah. That's more of a media convention now than even the Super Bowl. The, but that's yeah. just not something that's going to happen because then the award ceremonies pushed off. You can't announce them at the award ceremony. It's just not something the NFL is going to do. Yeah. I mean, they could change it. And I mean, if you have a Hall of Fame vote, you got to go to this conference and wherever at whatever time manning's forehead also chimes in and said also i went to a breakfast at matt's big breakfast in downtown phoenix and they put honey in their lemonade i'm mm. not sure how common this is but it was very good 
That sounds great. Real quick, do you guys agree with me though that um, like bias in sports media is over um, emphasized? What do you mean? Just that, like, oh, it's it's unethical journalistically for uh, Jeff Legwald to be representing the Broncos because he's supposed to act independent. Um, I wish that they didn't have those those ties in there. But that's more of a voting perspective, not a presenting perspective. But I mean, from a journalistic perspective, you think that 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 Jeff Legwald is violating a code of conduct because he's advocating for somebody to be in the Hall of Fame. He has a vote, doesn't he? Yes. So then, yeah, I don't think I don't like that. Okay. I I don't think it's unethical. I'm not judging Jeff Legwald for it. Well, but that's my I question. Don't like that. It's process. not about whether you like it or not. I'm just saying. Do you think it's unethical from a journalistic perspective? I don't think you should have a vote. So you do. To be, to be, I mean, you're biased. I'm not even talking about the Hall of Fame vote. I'm just saying, is it unethical journalistically to be representing the team in those discussions? Aren't you supposed to be unbiased? I get. And now you're by the SPJ code of ethics. Yes. And so you are being biased. But my question is, do you have an issue with that? From a, from a sports perspective. But my thing is, I just don't like that person voting. <laughs> You're just whoa, 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 dancing whoa, whoa, whoa. my question. Okay. I think that it should be done by mail. I think the teams should handle the material or maybe someone close to the player. And thus, I don't think that the voters should be involved in the presentation at all. But I'm not talking about the Hall of Fame. I'm talking mm-hmm. about just from a journalistic perspective, is it unethical from a, as a journalist, to be representing a team in any way. And I, I think it is, and that's why I think the presentations or whatever, or packets or whatever should be either done by the team or by somebody connected to the player, and the media's role in this should only be to vote. It's unethical when you put the voting in. Because if you want to represent someone and present facts, and that's what the Hall of Fame should be. It should be presenting facts. There's nothing unethical uh, but it about, comes about down, that. But then it, it, when you are presenting and representing that person, and then you're also voting, you're, you're biased. It's a sales then pitch. you're pulling for that. It's well, a sales pitch is what it is. You guys are keep bringing this back to the Hall of Fame vote. I'm not talking about the Hall of Fame. I'm saying when Jeff Legwald walks into the Broncos media room to do his job, is he an unethical journalist? I... But I don't think you're listening to what I'm saying, though, is it's one thing if you present something, because I don't think that's unethical, presenting something, because his argument for Steve Atwater should just be on stats and facts. There's nothing unethical about that. I don't think he's— But he's rep- he is the Broncos' representative, I think is what they're saying. All these local journalists are the representative for that team. I think that's what Ryan's getting at. I just—I I have I'm not interested in— the I Hall of Fame think, vote at all. Maybe I'm not saying saying it the right way. What you're saying is that you think it's... Do un- the Broncos pay him to do this? I doubt no. It. I don't think Nobody so. Nobody gets any money for Ex- this. So what I'm saying is I think if you are presenting someone, you are presenting facts. You, I don't think you're necessarily pulling for them. I don't think you should be pulling for them. It's not like, oh, I had, you're not telling them about great conversations you had, how good of a person he is. You are saying the facts, and I don't think that's unethical. Does that make sense? Yes. But then where it crosses for me, so right there, no. But where it crosses for me is then he gets to vote, 
And because he knows these people well, well, then he is biased in bringing that. And that's not just Jeff. That's every single person. And what I'm saying is that has no effect on whether or not he can do his job well. His job is to cover the Broncos. And I don't think because he represents the Broncos in the Hall of Fame discussions, that means that he can't cover the Broncos ethically. I agree. That's all I'm saying is I don't think it affects his job on a day-to-day basis. No. And I don't think – I don't look at Jeff Legwald and say, oh, well, he's just biased because he represents the Broncos in the Hall of Fame discussions. Except I do say in the voting process he is biased. Yes, but I don't care about the, – the, the Hall of Fame is – the way that it's done is corrupt in many different ways. That's just one of them. Well, this he also doesn't have to vote though. for his guy. There's no rule that says that. Right, of course not. But, Ryan, how many people aren't voting for their guys? Probably no one. Right. And, so, and but, then that's biased, and then that makes it unfair. So, But doesn't that just mean that every player starts with one vote, so it, it cancels out? No, because not everyone, um, not everyone presents. And also, some players kind of start with two votes, because in the case of John Lynch, for example, Ira Kaufman of Tampa – makes the presentation but Jeff Legwald has been assisting but each player (laughs) gets presented so each player has a representative who presents them who is giving them a vote so they're all starting with one but then doesn't that kind of take away a vote from someone else no because it just goes because Steve Atwater was presented by Jeff Legwald and Leroy Butler was presented by some other guy each of those guys started with one if, if we're assuming that everyone votes for the guy that they present so well, then how, it's, just, it's does, the same thing the, as them all starting. The voting, as, how does the voting work, Mace? It's, what happens is you listen to all the presentations. You have the list of 15 names from the modern era, and you check five. And the top 10 from that round of balloting goes to the second round. And then you check five from that. So what and I'm then saying what, is and then all most, 15 players right. start but, at one, which and, is the same then, as them all starting at that. zero. We don't know that because what if one person doesn't? What if there is that outlier? Then it then it hurts, and I just I don't think you should. I think that's biased. You don't think that's biased? What? At being able to vote on the person you present or be having a vote. I think it should be outside people. I think so. If Jeff would... Legwald wants to represent the Broncos, and and same for every single person, he he can do that, but then he doesn't get a vote. Or what if he just can't vote on that particular player? Then everyone would start at negative one. All their, everyone's starting at one right now. I think it all just cancels but, out. But here's the other thing. You have 15 players that are up each year, right? So, let's, so every player starts with negative one, but then those voters, that's a, guy, a person they can't vote for, whereas you've got, say, 30 voters in the room who can vote for all the candidates. And I think you just kind of, you're getting into kind of a, a gray area there. I think the best solution is to change the presenters to either people that are closely connected with the player, and maybe it's a journalist who doesn't have a vote, or people connected with the team, like somebody, somebody like Patrick Smythe getting up there. I'm totally doing, okay with that. And All doing the presentation. My main point here is I think everyone's starting with one, if everyone who presents votes for their guy, which we're assuming. But see, well, you're, that's just assuming, and just take the assumption out of it. So that one person every five years, one person every year, five people a year, whatever it comes down to, just doesn't get hurt because of that assumption. There's yeah. no reason to have that assumption there when you can easily take it For out. For sure. My, my overarching point, though, is while it might violate the SPJ code of ethics that, that Jeff Legwald is representing the Broncos in this, I don't think that matters on the grand scale of covering sports. Right. Dan Burke says, what did y'all enjoy more last week in that video of Elway riding around Miami on a scooter in tight white pants or that fake story about Mahomes buying everyone food because they let him eat in peace? 
<laughs> Remind me of the Mahomes story. I didn't Essentially, see that Essentially, someone reported that Mahomes and his girlfriend were at a restaurant in Kansas City, and no one came up to them the entire time they were in there. And as Patrick Mahomes was walking out, he like stopped, he stopped at the entrance and like addressed everyone in the restaurant and was like, thank you all so much for not bothering us and letting us having a great dinner. And then they left. And then as it turned out later, he had bought everyone's meal in the whole restaurant. Am I that's, allowed? That's the story. Is it like a fake story? We don't Just know. the way it's being. Well, okay. what happened, there was a, there was a, a virtually similar story word for word that was put out there about Troy Palomalo 11 years ago. Mm. Interesting. How is so, that interesting? Because it, it sounds could, like they just copy and pasted it, it exactly. and changed the name. Yeah, like what if Mahomes read that story and thought that was cool and then just did the same thing? It's a possibility. Well, I say good for him if he did that. I think that's really cool. But if we can't, Drew Locke would do that, I would say the exact it. same thing. But the we can't is, verify like, no. I said if it's true, that's oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Obviously, everyone thinks it's cool if it's true. Well, you guys are so skeptical about it. Well, because... Trust but verify. Isn't that journalism? You're violating, for, the, you're violating the code of ethics here. For a story about a guy buying people dinner, I don't think that's something that needs verification. Well, we just live in a world where you, everything that's posted on the internet has to be called into question. Yeah, because, I mean... I don't need to call something like this into question. If he did it, great. If not, okay. Well, then he that, did it. If he didn't, then that's BS that that person made that up. But was it Patrick Mahomes that made it up? No, 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 no. no. So then it doesn't matter. I think I'm not it was giving first, this person credit. I think it I first came from... Uh, was it Jason Kander, the former... Uh, Senatorial candidate from Missouri, I believe, is the one who kind of... Oh, is a that, politician. That, now the chances of it being yeah. alive have gone up <laughs> exponentially. I'd say that coming from a politician, the chances are probably 75%. He goes on to, <laughs> Locke was compared a lot to Matt Stafford in the pre-draft process. What do you all think of that comparison? There's some validity to it. Not uh, Stafford's not as fleet of foot. Locke's not as big. Or as accurate. Locke's not as accurate as Stafford? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Stafford isn't as mobile. Yeah. It's a it's an interesting comparison. Both big-armed guys. I yep. Mean. yep. Three, Mr. B. Four, probably in the minority, but I'm hoping the Chargers and Raiders get a Brady Herbert love to a last thing we need is for the division to turn into the AFC East of old and a more competitive division would benefit the Broncos, especially if the other two teams can avoid getting swept by KC. Now, it- that's an interesting... Look at this. It benefits the Broncos if the Broncos beat those other teams, but if they're better and the Broncos are splitting with those teams, it'll, it all it does is it means maybe the Chiefs don't win it as often, but then it's more competitive for those other division titles that aren't won by the Chiefs. So you you would like for the Raiders or Chargers, one of those teams, to just suck and <laughs> suck for a while. I that guess, would help. I guess what... The, the dream scenario here is the Chargers are a decent team. For some reason, they just have the Chiefs number. But the Broncos have the Chargers number. So the Chargers always beat the Chiefs. The Broncos always beat the Chargers. They split with the Chiefs. It's just it's, it's not very realistic. But that's the best thing here, I guess. What you, it's true that you don't want uh, everyone to suck. So then, you know, the, the Chiefs just get four wins. Uh, automatically on the schedule, and then, you know, maybe it's not quite as easy for the Broncos or whatever. But maybe, I mean, you wouldn't mind if the Raiders and Chargers both suck, and then it comes down to Broncos-Chiefs games. Yeah, as long as you are as consistent at beating both of them as the Chiefs are. In this scenario, you're, you're just playing with fire, because if everyone else is bad, 
then you know you give the Chiefs four wins. Maybe you get four wins too, though. But if everyone else is good, then there's a chance that they beat you too while also taking the Chiefs down. What I think is actually important here is you want the first place teams from the other divisions to be very good. Because if the Chiefs are going to win the, the division, they're going to have to play those teams. And so if they are, uh, if those teams are better, then you have a better chance of getting them the next year. But they have to be very good from year to year. Let's say, for example, the Texans fall back. Let's say the Texans have a few injuries. Deshaun Watson gets hurt, and they're at an 8-8 eight eight level. And the Broncos, they're playing the Titans out of the AFC South, correct, this year? Mm-hmm. If the Titans— Wait, no, that was last year. Right? Yeah. They played the Titans and Texans last year. So now they play the— They, they played everybody from the AFC South last year. Right, right. This year they're only playing oh, the second-place team, the so they're playing the Titans. So a bad situation for the Broncos would be if the Texans take a step back and the Titans, what they showed in the playoffs, is the format which they reach through the 2020 season. If that's the case, then that's bad news for the Broncos. Right. The th- yeah, what I'm saying here is that if in any given year, if the Chiefs had won the division the, the year before— your best chance is that the the first place teams mm-hmm. that they have to play are all really good. So then they, you know, eventually you're going to need someone mm-hmm. other than you to beat them. But there's always some volatility in you know in first place teams. There's all there's always mobility, except with the AFC East. But I think that's changing as well. And last one from Dan Burke: Is there any chance Justin Hollins is on the roster bubble this year? He was his Brandon Staley pet project, and Vic put the kibosh on that inside linebacker experiment pretty early. Well, Brandon Staley slash uh, you know Reggie Herring because Reggie Herring's coaching the inside linebackers. I think there's a chance he's on the bubble because you've got 12 draft picks at the potentially based on what you have in the compensatory hall and uh, guys who aren't starters could be on the bubble because of what you bring in from this year. But uh, I expect Justin Hollins will be on the 53. I think they're gonna. I think they love Justin Hollins. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Vic really likes him and loves his versatility. Next one from True U 59. Hey Mace. On the bread loaf discussion, if you don't have a good serrated knife to cut a loaf of bread, you're toast, not fried. Man, we need the rim shot <laughs> sound effect for that. It's pretty good, actually. Good. J Money Steck 97. Wow. Someone else in my hometown of Hayes, Kansas, is part of the DNVR family. They commented about the fireworks, which I also heard. They scared all four of my dogs as if I need another reason to hate the Chiefs. My fellow Hayes resident, if you see this, know that you are not alone in enemy territory, I am here too. <laughs> Maybe you guys can get cool. a little meetup going next yeah. next season. Next one's from Missouri Bronco. He said, oh my God. It sounded like a war zone outside my house on Sunday night. I watched the game and then had to drive two hours back to college, and I felt sick and weak the whole way there. I am biologically built to hate Kansas City. This sucks. Never did I, th- never did I think they could even do this two years ago. The Chiefs always choked. They were supposed to choke. This still doesn't feel real. I want to curl up and die with all this red. On the bright side, I did get to see Dalton Reisner. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. I mean, sports are cyclical. Everyone's going to win eventually. Here's the thing. and I mean, especially if you're in, uh, you're in college, Missouri Bronco, anyone under the age of 35 has never seen an AFC West team win. And so this is what... Other than the Broncos. Right, of course. Yeah, Broncos fans have never seen another AFC West team win. And uh, this is what the pain that the other three teams have been going through three different times in, in, in your lifetime if you're under that age. 
it's wild just how bad in terms of winning the whole thing the rest of the division's been. It's crazy. Yep, totally. And since there's three other teams in the division, this was bound to happen way more than it has. So I know it's painful now, but maybe you take a step back and say, okay, it's only happened once. I'm lucky for that. And both the Raiders and Chargers did make the Super Bowl in those 35 years, but got blown out each time. And if you're over the age of, what, 23 or 24, you've still seen the Broncos win three times as many titles as any other team in the division since you've been alive. If you're 33. No, because you just had to be alive by 1995. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, you're doing a small window. 25, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep, yep. Next one coming in from... uh, Steve Atwater Hall of Fame, he says. says, Do you think it's Steve Atwater DNVR shirt? It could be a possibility. What kind of shirt design would best represent Hall of Famer? Feels good to say that. Steve Atwater. Is there a way to like get a silhouette of when he hits Christian Okoye? There's a way to do anything. In 1990, because when you're thinking of the defining image of Steve Atwater, it's when he lowers his shoulder in Okoye. Yep. Or it could be right after and he's kind of standing over him. With a big smile on his face. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, any shirt needs to incorporate a smile. Yes. Smiling Assassin. Yeah. Or maybe it's something based off the nickname Smiling Assassin. Well, so Steve Atwater Hall of Fame actually chimes in with a good idea. He says, my idea would be to have Steve Atwater standing at the Hall of Fame podium, straightening his gold jacket with that huge smile. Then you could put a stack of mangled players piled on top of each other wearing different colored uniforms that he assassinated during his career. (laughs) It's pretty good. Yep. I like that. I yep. actually like that. He's got his bust on one side and the pile of uh, of players on the other side. It kind of reminds me of this uh, shirt that I've always wanted that I've never been able to find in my size from when the Buffs won the Big 8 title, and it's a pile of all the other mascots with Ralphie standing on top. Big 8, look at you. Oh, yeah. Way, mm. th- way throwback. <laughs> it should still be the Big 8. Hmm. Probably not. <laughs> I like I liked smaller conferences when you could play everybody. Right, but in now, the round robin, that just it was it was perfect for football because you you know eight you played seven conference games, you played everybody once. Perfect for basketball because you have a nice tight little eighteen tournament that's done in three days. I do. You, I I will say I do like. I think it's weird that you know the Buffs have to play Oregon and Washington some years while someone else might only have to play. Uh, Oregon State and Washington State. And right? it's why you have kind of discrepancies in strength of schedule, which comes into play when you're talking about uh, seeding for the NCAA tournament and so forth, and you know why you can go 13-7 and seven in the conference pl- in conference play, but not all 13-7 and seven records are created equal. And I know that's you can say that for pro sports as well, but it just seemed like in the college ranks when you had – the eight to ten team conferences, you had things nicely figured out. Right. The the super conference thing, I don't think it's been a positive for conf- for the quality of conference play. Next one's from Ron Pablo. And to answer your question, there are lots of shirts uh, in the works. <laughs> so yeah. the, the line to get a shirt is long right now. But certainly uh, in, in the conversation. From Ron Pablo. Hey, guys, just a simple draft-related question. What would be a better? What would be better for the Broncos? Rugs round one and Yang and Wingo, Wingo, Winogu, Winogu. God, that one really trips me up. <laughs> or Thomas slash Becton in round one and Ayuk slash Rieger in round two. Ooh, um, a lot of slashes there. Actually, what I like is the, I like the slash of Andrew Thomas if somehow he dropped 
to 15 in round one. And either uh, a Brandon Ayuk or uh, Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager, of course, is like the vertical speed guy. Ayuk uh, from Arizona State, a little more of an all-around guy, but also has a lot of speed. I, I'd be really pleased with that. I that that would be mine as well. If you can get the top uh, offensive tackle or, or a top offensive tackle at 15, that would be great. The question is, do you try to kick Andrew Thomas inside to guard for year one, or are you immediately putting? somebody on the market if I'm that's not, the case i'm not messing with my first round pick and i'll mess with past first round picks and try that but i'm not messing with my first round pick if i'm drafting a guard give me a guard because the luxury of tristan Wirfs maya was that he has the flexibility to a be kicked inside to guard for a year or b he can be a left tackle or a right tackle at the next level andrew thomas i think you're thinking of him squarely as a left tackle in the right. NFL. Yeah. As we've said all along, if you get an elite tackle at 15, that's a huge win. One of the main reasons we talk a lot about wide receivers is mm-hmm. we don't think elite tackles will be there. Exactly, exactly. And Next it's one of the core four positions, quarterback, tack, tackle, uh, corner, and uh, edge rusher. Yep. Mile High Hitman says, off-season hot take, the earth is just a giant hot pocket, molten hot on the inside with a cold crust on the outside. Hashtag hot pocket earth. My entire world is... Flipped upside down. Can you eat it, though? Hmm. One bite at a time, right? I I guess. There's that one guy who, like, ate planes. Like, the things what? that fly in the air? Yeah. Like, he Sounds set expensive. the world record for, like, most things eaten. Like, he... It's in the Guinness Book, so I, I, don't, know, I don't know how of a reliable of a source. But he... He... Ate an entire plane over the course of time. <laughs> what? Ate an airplane. <laughs> yes. That's so what he they ate say. like metal. Right. Oh, yeah. And like bikes and cars. Oh, and... my God. Why? I don't know. I'll, look, I'll try to look it up. about the digestion problems. Oh, my have. gosh. Iceman. Hey, friends. Congratulations. Smiling assassin. If you type in man who oh. ate, it finishes man who ate a plane. Oh, oh my God. gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Back to Iceman. Your hit on Christian Okoye heard around the world, around the hot pocket world, for an old NFL fan like me was what made us fans and keeps us fans even today. Thank you for being a great Bronco player slash teammate. Go Broncos slash Steve. Very well put. Did you find it, Ryan? All right. Let me tell you a little bit about, um, let me see if I can find here. Michael Lotito. Okay. Michael Lotito was a French entertainer born in Grenoble, famous for deliberately consuming indigestible objects. Makes sense. He came to be known Monsieur Mangatel? Monsieur? Yeah, sure. Um, Which stands for Mr. Eat It All. Oh, wow. Do you have a picture of this guy? Um, He's a pretty regular looking guy. It says his performances involved the consumption of metal, glass, rubber, and other materials. He disassembled, cut up, and consumed items such as bicycles, shopping carts, televisions, and a Cessna 150, which is a plane. Uh, The Cessna 150 took nearly two years to be eaten from 1978 to 1980. I mean... He claimed not to suffer ill effects from his consumption of substances typically considered poisonous. When performing, he ingested approximately one kilogram of material daily, preceding it with mineral oil and drinking considerable quantities of water during the meal. Meal. <laughs> it is estimated that between 1959 and 1997, Lotito 
had eaten nearly nine tons of metal. His method for eating all this metal was to break it into small pieces before attempting to eat it. He then drank mineral oil and continued to drink water while swallowing the metal bits. This acted as a lubricant to help the metal slide down his throat. And he claims that he had no problem passing his unusual diet. Oh my goodness. Wow. I assume he is no longer with us. And this is where I found out about him. He holds the world record for quote unquote strangest diet. In the Guinness Book of World Records, he was awarded a brass plaque by the publishers to to commemorate his abilities, which he also consumed. I was going to ask if he (laughs) ate it. Oh, my gosh. All you get is a brass plaque for all that. How old did he? How long did he live? This is sad. He only lived to be 57. Gee, I wonder why. Did he eat the brass plaque? But he died of natural causes. Uh, You know, (laughs) if he ate an airplane, I'm not sure the causes are as natural (laughs) as people would believe. (laughs) (laughs) What? Wow. What a guy. Mr. Eat It All. Speaking of eating stuff, Bat Soup chiming in. Oh. Gents, do Rocky Mountain oysters count as a Colorado dish? Mm, I think they're more of a regional thing because isn't the uh, the the testicle festival where they celebrate Rocky Mountain oysters? <laughs> isn't that up in Montana? I have Only no Henry idea. would know. <laughs> Called Testy Festy for short. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. And they That's... celebrate them, huh? Everything can be celebrated. It's the only thing worse than a sausage fest. Have you ever had Rocky Mountain oysters, either of you? Yes. No. And they're delicious. I've had every so often. I have them at Coors Field. Oh, I did not. I definitely know they wouldn't were do it at a ballpark. Field. Well, that's the only place I see them on a menu. Are they fried? Yeah, they're fried. Yeah, yeah so of course they're good. Um, you dip them in the, cocktail sauce. They have them at um, the Dark Horse in Boulder. Okay. And how big are they? Like the size of a chicken tender. Okay. It's, are like they? Sl- it's like sliced. Oh, so it's not just are they round in your mouth. Oh. Are they round slices? No. <laughs> okay. All right. li- like they are the shape and size of of thin chicken tenders. I mean, it's interesting. When I first heard about this before having had it, I thought, what, are they like Are they like hush puppies? Or like- <laughs> that's what uh, I thought. That's, that, that, that would be terrible. <laughs> no, yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know what Rocky Mountain oysters are, it is the balls of buffalo. Yeah, it's the testy. Or bowls. I guess it can be mm-hmm. either or. Bowl- oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he says, also, I feel like I need to chime in here and offer my great thoughts on the great multi- multi-meal dish debate. And that dish, quesadillas. Now, hear me out. We can all no, accept that a quesadilla. No. Okay. We're it, not hearing it. If, if pizza is not in every meal food, then a quesadilla isn't because it's basic, he's basically making the same concept here because he talks about making a breakfast quesadilla just as there is a breakfast pizza. I agree with you. Mace, it, yeah, no, you can't change it. He can finish his comment. I don't even know where I left off. Uh, he says... Let me briefly teach you the magical ways of the breakfast quesadilla. Use a small pan that will fit a smaller size tortilla, corner flour, your choice. Crack and scramble an egg in the pan and get it to the point where it's a thinly single-layered omelet. Flip the egg so it's fully cooked on both sides and add cheese and a tortilla on top. Next, flip it again so the tortilla is on the bottom of the pan. It helps to set to use the plate to flip it. Add a little more cheese. Oh, just lost it. Um, add a little more cheese and another tortilla and flip until it's golden brown on each side. Then cut it and serve with salsa, hot sauce, avocado, or any tasty delight of your choosing. Honestly, I could eat this for all three meals. You guys are the best in the biz. Thank you and go Broncos. That sounds amazing. I would love to have that. Yes. I just don't understand why no one listens to this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's on, but you aren't listening. If there's eggs involved, it's eliminated from the debate. 
Yep. Even though I eat, I ate bean, beans, eggs, and toast for dinner. Mace, sometimes. I yes, eat, I you eat had cold, breakfast for dinner. Right. I eat cold pizza for breakfast sometimes. Mm. I'm having dinner for breakfast. It can't change, and it can't involve of a, a meal, a item that is traditionally tied to one area of the food chain. Yep. <laughs> Meaning you you can't say like steak because everyone knows that steak is dinner. You can't say eggs because everyone knows that eggs is breakfast. But steak and eggs is breakfast. Yes. But if you had steak and eggs for dinner, you had breakfast for dinner. So what's a steak sandwich? Is that lunch? Yes. Or dinner. Yeah. Certainly not mm. breakfast. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Uh, super Bowling. RK, thanks for last week, man. You're welcome. Funny thing just happened to me sitting in line at CVS Pharmacy. I was paying for my script and turn around, and it's freaking Adrian Peterson waiting in line behind me. Just from a 30-second conversation, you could tell he is different from other players. Didn't rush the conversation and felt like he was being genuine when he talked. How about that? Interesting. I, uh, two interesting things here. I once ran into Adrian Peterson in the real world. Wow. Um, it at was, CBS? It was at a sushi restaurant in San Francisco okay. during Super Bowl 50. Um, two, I also ran into an NFL player at a convenience store yesterday. <laughs> it was Benny Fowler. Wow. Really? He's yeah. back here? I guess so. I think it's, it's home for him is Denver. I, I remember running into Ron Dane at a liquor store once. <laughs> when he played for the Broncos. Well, uh, I hopefully. ran into Monte Ball at a bar in Boulder when oh, I was in college. Oh, no, that's I, not a surprise. And it no, was I, too close to home. I think it was a Friday they played on Sunday, but I still thought like. During like, the season, huh? Oh, yeah. Do, do you got, I was like, what are you doing? Why are you here in Boulder? Oh, yeah. I remember one time, this is way back, this is like in about 05 or so. Uh, the old Grand Slam Sports Bar on Arapaho. It's like something else now. I think it's for. I think it's uh, became the sports bar where jo- where uh, like John Boyette had his yes. drinking. Uh, it's called the Sports Book, I believe. Yes. And uh, one night I'm uh, ha- eating at Grand Slam with a couple of friends, and the and the person who sits at the next table over with his wife, Rick Dennison. Ah, Rico. <laughs> Rico. How about that? Who famously my mom went on a date with once. Really? Really? Yes. How about that? Just a date. I think so, yeah. Okay. Hey, you know. Yeah. Interesting. I was obviously polling for that because he was a coach <laughs> for the Broncos at the time. <laughs> yeah, that would have worked was, out. I think it was when he was special teams. It would it was during like the Super Bowl years. Yeah, he was special teams coach back then, right? Yeah. I was I was a uh, I was angling. <laughs> <laughs> would have been a. It would have been a. That would have probably altered my entire life. It. It definitely would have. You'd be an offensive lineman. You'd right be now? an assistant offensive line coach yeah. for the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> right now. <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> Me and the Kubiaks would be chopping it up on a nightly basis. Well, you know how uh, they they like family members. Yeah. Oh yeah, you Clint. Klein, that'd be your best friends. All piled into a Volkswagen bug. <laughs> You'd have a Super Bowl ring right now. <sighs> yep. Probably, if that had worked wow. out. It's okay. I sorry like my that life. you're just sitting with us I'm now. sorry. Nah, nah. It's, it's okay. <laughs> in in this alternate universe, Mace got the Super Bowl ring. Nah, it's true. I need to bring it in sometime. One of us had to yeah. get it. You could have got it in an alternate universe where the Browns were the Browns. <laughs> yeah. Could have, yep. And I was lucky because I was working on contract and then I uh, had a, a chance to leave, got, you know, got considered for a position with another team. And then the Broncos made me full time. And because of that, 
I moved from probably not getting a ring to getting a ring just hey, for that year. Yeah. This so, is a new game. Six degrees of separation from a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> how, how close were you to getting a Super Bowl ring? That's the question. And Mace was very close. Because he has one. He got it. I'll, again, I, I should bring in. You know what? It's something that I probably need to wear more often. Steve Atwater, of all people, tells me to wear it more often. He's like, you have it. Why? And I'm like, I, you know what? I didn't play. I was just on the staff. I didn't really do anything to earn that. He's like, dude, you have a Super Bowl ring. That's sweet. You have to Mace, th- wear it. Mace, you got to live in a world where a story that you wrote about Benny Fowler <laughs> that season <laughs> inspired him just a little bit more, and he thought about it as he was lining up to go for that two-point conversion. Okay. And then you can take a little credit. But, Mace, if you don't want to believe that, I think the ring would probably fit my finger if you're uh, if you're never going to use it. I appreciate that, Zach. <laughs> Actually, what it usually is for me is a weddings and funerals thing. Mm. Or yeah, if, like, like sorry, that. your friend died. I got a Super <laughs> Bowl ring. Well, it, you know, it's, you it's just a special event. And also, if I'm down at the Super Bowl like that week, I'll wear it. Like next year when it's in Tampa and I can stay at my parents' house. I think I'll, we're all staying at your parents' house, right? Sounds <laughs> like it. I, 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 isn't that the plan? Don't we all want to be there for Peyton Palooza? What's Peyton Palooza? When he gets in the Hall of Fame. Oh. Yeah, because that's going to be announced that week. As a fellow Super Bowl ring holder, do you think you could get invited to the party? <laughs> well, that's a good question. <laughs> well, especially since I, I owe Peyton a little debt of gratitude for that Super Bowl ring. Yes. Ah. As I, and he owes you, I would like to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, that's kind of when I busted out is just stuff like that. And Actually, maybe uh, we're doing a thing at Breg Brewery today. Maybe I should bust it out for that, too. Since Breck is uh, such a loyal partner and a giving partner and a welcome partner for DMVR. Yeah. Yeah. Bust it out. I love All right. That. I know I where it is. I'll, I'll bust it out. Next one coming in from Sasha Sanga Harry. As much as it hurts right now and will continue to sting for a while, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl is ultimately a good thing for the Broncos, right? Every Kansas City player just bumped up their contract value, which will make it harder for them to re-sign all their stars. They can't all take hometown discounts, Right? Right? P.S. I'm glad no one else had to suffer a broken arm on the way to this KC win and pray that no more damage is done. I don't think the value went up just because they won Sunday. I think the value was already there. So, no, it's not a good thing that they won the Super Bowl. I think the value always goes up a little bit more for the teams that won it, and especially the players who played well in the Super Bowl. It's something that happens you know, more notably like in soccer. Someone has a good World Cup. They are in for a big-time payday. And I think the, the same sort of stuff happened. Like Chris Jones, his value went up on Sunday which could maybe be a bad thing for the Broncos if they sign him, although I don't care what they pay him if they sign him. But it's a, it's a small um, silver lining to a darker pillow. I think it goes up if the player is just mediocre but then has a big game. I think, like, for example, say Damian Williams. I think his value, if he were on the market, went up. But I don't, someone like Chris Jones, I think his value was already kind of established. And I don't uh, think. With Chris Jones, Mace, he said he wants to be a chief for life. That's something that, you know, Derek Wolf echoed. Now, I know Derek Wolf never hit the open market, that he wanted to be a Bronco for life. The Broncos got it done during that playoff run. That is not something Malik Jackson ever echoed. So that scares me. And, you know, maybe he takes a step back. His agent talks to him. His wife talks to him says, whoa, 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 what are you doing there saying something like that? And then they go out and absolutely break the bank. But that does scare me a bit. Yeah, I mean, if everyone takes a hometown discount, then honestly, they deserve to keep winning. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and they will. 
But and they will. Where do the Chiefs get the money, though? I think that's just kind of the the whole thing to consider here because, I mean, it's probably like Sammy Watkins. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye, seven, seven million dead money, but you create $14 million of cap savings. He gone. Um, but, like, for example, like Eric Fisher, it's more dead money than cap savings. He's got 8.9 in dead money if you let him go. They have to hold on to Eric Fisher. They have to, even though it wasn't a good game for him on Sunday. Uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, he's $4 million in dead money, $5 million in cap savings. So that's kind of even. I think the fact that they create a lot of dead money with some of these moves kind of hamstrings them a little bit from what they might want to do. Yeah, I mean, they're in the end, they're not going to be able to keep everything together. Although, if guy, you know, like if Sammy Watkins wants to play for $5 million and mm-hmm. – Chris Jones wants to play for ten million, and all these guys want to play for you know, like then it can happen. It's just very, very unlikely. This probably involves kick if if they're going to fit everything in this, fit the hundred pounds in the fifty pound bag. This involves low values this year, kicking it down the road for twenty twenty two and beyond, and rolling the dice that the new round of television slash streaming con- contracts jacks up the cap so much that. You're able to fit it all in. So maybe Patrick Mahomes, if he signs for 2020, signs a contract extension the next few months, his 2020 number maybe is $4 million, but you're looking at maybe like a $55 million number, say in 2025. Uh, from Antonio Acosta, the smiling assassin is in the Hall of Fame, and I'm hoping DNVR sets up a meetup in Canton for Broncos fans to cheer him in. Hell, let's just charter a plane to fly DNVR subscribers. All right, put the bill. <laughs> Let's make Outwater the most coveted Hall of Fame inductee ever. At this time, I would say there's a 75% chance I take the journey to watch my favorite player ever. Yes, even more than L.A. get inducted. Let's show Canton and the selectors how big of a mistake they made the previous 15 years. Also, maybe a special DNVR slash Outwater Hall of Fame t-shirt. That's two, <laughs> two on this one. Uh, we've got six months. Let's get the planning started. Also, interesting seeing the Hall of Fame logo and the... Hager? Logo? Hager, yes. Um, Hager logo on the graphic when Atwater was getting fitted. If the rumors are true, I hear that uh, one of his fav- that's one of his favorite lines of clothing. It is. He wears Hager slacks. That's he awesome. just basically goes and buys like three or four pairs and rotates them. And Steve Atwater has something close to a uniform that he wears most days to work. Some kind of Broncos polo. I- I've counted at least 20 polo Broncos polo shirts that Steve Atwater owns. One for a while I kept track cuz it was hilarious. Like it's been 3 weeks and you haven't worn the same thing. Like it's <laughs> it's amazing. Like he, he every day he is Broncos polo Hager slacks. No one fits those polos better than him. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I looked that great in a polo. And of <laughs> course and the thing is now he's going to have Hall of Fame polos. Ooh. Oh yeah. That's nice. Oh. Anyways, he says, shoot, why not get Breck to brew a special Hall of Fame brew for Outwater? I really want him to understand how much Broncos fans enjoyed his style of play on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, as for Mahomes, I'd say a 10-year, $1 billion contract, <laughs> fully guaranteed, sounds fair. Of course, with escalators if the cap increases substantially <laughs> to, to ensure he receives no less than 40% of the current cap. Actually, what's interesting, you say $1 billion over 10 years, and that's absurd. But if contract values continue to rise, what if Patrick Mahomes plays until he's 40? Does he earn a billion dollars in his career if he plays until he's 40? No. Maybe. I mean, this this next contract, what are we saying? It's it's ceiling is. 
ceiling four hundred million. Well, well no, because you're not signing a ten year contract. Well, let's say it's let's say it's five years. Two hundred and twenty-five million dollars. And there's no way he can get to a billion. He'd have to have four contracts bigger than that. But what if he plays at the level and the next contract is five years, four hundred million? <laughs> Still not going to get. And there. then, the, and then be, that's, and then the next contract beyond that is is five years, four hundred and fifty million. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. I'm just no one. No one's contracts keep getting bigger as they play. But will. But I feel safe in saying that. Unless society melts down, unless there's a nuclear bomb or something that takes Touch that. Touch wood, Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Look, my mind goes to some dark places sometimes, but I feel confident in saying that in the next 30 years, there will be a, in the NFL, there will be a $1 billion player in terms of career earnings. Maybe, but they would have to, I mean, one of their contracts would probably have to be worth $500 million. It's wild. It's wild. So $100 million a year. So that contract's not too far off. <laughs> oh, wow. Bronco born, Bronco bred, chi- bred chimes in and talks about the uh, ESPN piece that Jeff Legwald wrote that we talked about, the power rankings and lists that. And then uh, Bronco born, Bronco bred says, it took until the very last moment to mention the reason from optimism, kind of like just like we pointed out. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry for the comment. Uh, I heard on Ryan Russillo's podcast that Baker Mayfield left dinner with Russillo so that he could go hang out with Drew Locke. Just an interesting thing I heard. Love it. Yep, and then, of course, there's a little dance-off dance, dance off or just friendly hangout. I can see why the two of them would get along really well. Totally. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not the same, but they – they have a lot in common in terms of their personalities, their presence, their elan. And they both share in common that I wrote a column about them after the Senior Bowl saying that the Broncos should get them. But what is interesting is I think Baker Mayfield could learn something from Drew Locke. I do too. To temper it, just, just dial back the antipathy for some media members. Take the, the boulder off your shoulder just a little bit. Large boulder or small boulder? <laughs> you lost me. You didn't get that? Are you talking about that headline? The uh, yeah, the, large the boulder tweet. size of a small boulder. <laughs> small boulder. Yeah. Yes. So I, I just read it to mean a a boulder the size of a small city. Oh, uh, I see. They didn't capitalize boulder though. No, they didn't. Mm. Uh, from Oklahoma Bronco fifty eight bachelor talk time. Oh, no. Love it. Great app last <laughs> night. Oh, did you hear? Five hours this week. No way. So tonight, too? Three hours last night, two hours Wednesday. I got to get watching. On Wednesday? Yep. Don't they typically do back-to-backs on Monday, Tuesday? They do. I don't know what – maybe they had something going on tonight. Wow. So genius right after the Super Bowl. Right. To just – Just swoop everyone in. Yes, get everyone. Five out. Is it just Pete making more drama? Yeah, he's really handling this poorly. Anyways, Oklahoma Broncos says, My girlfriend got me started watching last season, and this season is so overproduced, but goodness gracious, Pete loves drama more than some of the girls. (laughs) Also, I've never seen so many girls blaming them not going and talking to him on other girls. It's so funny watching the implosions. It's like a train wreck that you just can't take your eyes off. Here's what it comes down to. and If you don't talk about the other girls, focus on your relationship with him. Don't talk about the other ones. I want to share a hilarious thing that happened on this most recent episode. Tell me. Um, this girl, you know, this girl goes to see him during like non-visiting hours. Oh, <laughs> as up, I would call up it. in his hotel room. Yep, goes okay. up to his hotel room. He loves what she has to say. They have a great time. And then cameras the whole time. 
cameras the whole time. And then he just sets her up to just get destroyed. He gives her a rose. Then. And it's like, go on back to the house. (laughs) Because the other girls probably had no idea she left. They had no idea. So then she comes back with the rose. The girls already hate this chick. And now they're so pissed. And then... Pete cancels the cocktail party. No. So she's the only girl who got to talk to him that day. It's like, man, you really want this girl to get eaten alive out there. Did don't he propose you? on the spot? He might as well have, but I don't even think she's going to survive. Wow. The the piranhas just waiting there for her. I'm like, dude, you, you could have just told her I'm going to give you a rose tonight and then not sent her back. Right, right. Do you think Pete was like, well, I'm not the most attractive bachelor that they've ever had. I'm not the most interesting bachelor that they ever had. So why don't I build this season around flying planes and drama and just live both of those? I feel like he's taking every girl on a flight now. Yeah, pretty much. I guess that's, I mean, his personality is flying, so. (laughs) I'm with with Will Brinson of CBS who tweeted out, Nothing will ever be weirder than NFL Twitter's completely seamless transition to Bachelor Twitter. It is weird, but it's beautiful. I I don't get it. I'm sorry, guys. I just... <laughs> Have you tried it? I tr- years ago. Yeah, Here, here's gotta, one thing, Mace. When, year, when maybe your palate has matured, Mace. When you were out, I don't. I don't <laughs> think that's a maturation of the palate. I think. I think that's a devolution not an evolution Maybe. when when you were when you were out last week ryan said if you watch the bachelor he will try bat soup oh my god whoa so but you i don't want to kill me i don't want to do that to you i like you too much there's nothing in the world that could make me try bat soup not even some hot sauce no oh my i got a hot sauce at the store last night that it doesn't even have a flavor. It just says, oh, beware, comatose level heat. Oh, and you bought it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's the hottest version of my favorite hot sauce. What What brand? I've never had. Marie Sharp's. Okay. Good luck. What are you going to put it in? Uh, I'll probably have some turkey and cheese for no, lunch today. Oh, no. Dip a little in there. No. It's, nothing's that hot. Um, Swedish Bronco says, why was the Mahomes discussion a problem? He'll be our arch enemy for at least a decade and therefore very related to the Broncos. At least I love a good back and forth discussion. I don't think it's, we just, it just, we ran out of new things to say. So we were just repeating ourselves. I think is mostly the problem. I think everyone just got sick of it and I understand I was sick of it too. There's some new things that happened though over the weekend. We won't dive in now, but I mean, the chiefs did just win the Super Bowl. Yep. From Jimmy Balls, DNVR is given the 33rd NFL franchise. The three of you are in charge of assigning roles to yourselves and four other DNVR members. The roles are owner, GM, head scout, head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator, and water boy. In addition, you need to pick the team mascot and the color scheme. Have fun. Wow. All right. Well, I'm giving owner to Brandon Spano because I already know that he knows how to run something. (laughs) Um, I think... One of you should be head coach. I think, I think I could be GM and Dre's our head scout. Ah, Dre's the yes. head scout. Dre head scout. Hank is the water boy. I'm yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'm going Mace GM. Mace can be GM. I think one of you two is the head coach. One of you two is the OC. Well, Ryan's the OC, so I'll take head. Coach. Uh, I think I'm going to take the OC here. I think <laughs> exactly. I'm going to take, gonna gonna take, take the, the HC here. So, uh, so you're are you mean maybe you could be HCOC and then. Zach is defensive coordinator, and you're kind of the hand. Your hands off. You're you are Kubiak, 
to Zach's Wade Phelps. Defense is yours. I trust you. Do what you want. Yeah, I guess I'm the fun one. I mean, one, Zach so is the one person here who has scouting experience <laughs> on a professional level. So, so what maybe he, he can be head scout. But where's Dre? Assistant GM? Dre could be DC. DC? Or assistant GM. Okay, so... And I also see as head coach and GM, it's a equal level and then Brandon breaks the ties. So basically, when I worked like in... Like a Mayock-Gruden situation? Yeah, when I worked in Carolina... John Fox and Marty Herney were on the same level. And basically it was, you guys figure it out. And if you can't, if, if you guys can't come to a consensus, uh, Mark Richardson, who at the time was running the day-to-day operations, was team president, he would break the ties. And sometimes it got heated. I remember hearing the doors slam in, for, in wow. Herney's offices and Fox's offices just because like, you know, they were upset and they couldn't agree. But eventually they, the two of them would always kind of come back to the table and I, figure it out because they didn't want the non-football guy up top breaking their deadline. That's what I was just going to say. That sounds like such a major issue if you have a non-football guy deciding these things. Well, the good thing is Brandon's a football guy. I could... Right. No, no, no. Not for for ours. (laughs) Just in a situation like that. But there's so much to worry about that we would, I think, Ryan and I conscientiously would say, let's work this out together so our owner can keep his eye on the big picture. I I feel like Zach needs a higher position. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Maybe... maybe, Director of player personnel. I'll be the Bill Belichick of this team. Yeah, that's not head work. coach and GM. Maybe, um, maybe you're like you know Adam Peters is what the vice president of personnel in San Francisco, working under John Lynch. Maybe something uh, like that. Just a no name. I, actually, I actually am self aware enough to say that I don't think I would be the best GM. I um, I'm too, I would be too aggressive. Oh, like, you'd be John Elway. No, I would be the one who's like, "F it, take a chance on Antonio Brown." And that's why I think I, I could probably do it better because I could probably kind of separate the emotion from it more. That's why, like, and that, that's like what the head coach would do. Like, give me the best players, you know? And then you need someone above you who's like, we're not bringing that and guy And that's in. why you'd be, you'd be a better coach because like, I, I think you have a better idea of, like, the pulse of the locker room. I have a better idea, like, of, you know, basically saying, okay, this is kind of the emotional connection, but also here's what, here's what the data says. Here's what the contracts say. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. more of a pulse guy. <laughs> That's just how I do this job. Uh, what position would you want if you could have any of these? Any position for a team, like realistically? Well, no, well, not like, realistically. What do you think obviously. you would be the best at? See, I was going to say general manager would be where you want to be because then you're not on the grind all the time like a head coach. Um, well, some of the GMs grind, though. I mean, it was it's interesting to see some. that some, but you There's don't a, have to. Head coach, you have to. I, I would be it's there. There true. were a couple of GMs that I saw, for instance, down at the shrine, and I thought that if I were a GM, that would be me. I'd Why be. Would you not increase your chances of having the most information possible? I'd be going. I'd be going to call. My wife and I were talking about this, like how it was a big deal that John Elway went to the Ohio State Penn State game, and I and I said, you know, if I were the GM, I'd be at a college game every week, probably multiple college games. I'd probably be trying to get to one on Thursday, one on Friday, one on Saturday. Especially when you have the private jet. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like you're traveling uh, coach. Watching football in person is not a tough thing to do. Oh, and, and you and, see and, so much more in person than you do on film. And you get to go to whatever game you want. And yeah. you can go to the best games every week, and people are going to be like, smart, he's looking at the best play. And in reality, 
You're seeing the best football game every right. week. Right, and you're probably going to, like, Louisiana, having some great food, yes. a good time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, if I'm a GM, I try to make a point of making sure that I saw as many – that I saw every top 100 prospect in person. If you were a GM, both of you, would you have been at LSU Alabama? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Twice. Me too. I would, have, I would watch it once live and once when I got back to the hotel. I would have been LSU Alabama. I would have been at the national championship game. I would have been pr- I, probably the Rose Bowl, Oregon, Wisconsin. Free tickets, Again, too. Again, you're getting yeah. free tickets to the best college football out there. I'd be everywhere. Although, I, as long as it didn't uh, overlap with the CU game. <laughs> and actually, just kind of on, on CYA, I would, have, I would have gone to the Utah State LSU game to see Jordan Love against a Power 5 team. Yep. You should be Matt Russell then. Then you have a reason to be at every CU game. God, John, can't go with you to that. I have to be at this game. There's a guy, Scout LaVisca, today. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, you still haven't cho- chosen your role. <sighs> I don't know. All right, fine. Uh, do we te- have to choose the... one for him, Zach? Yeah, do it. Then I'm giving you OC. Okay. You're my right-hand man. <laughs> Sounds good. So who's our DC? Yeah, we still need a DC. I mean... Wait, so I'm... You're you're the head coach offensive coordinator, though? You're the play caller? No, no. So I'm... who Who's who's the offensive coordinator in Arizona? No one knows. So that's who I am. That's who <laughs> no, I am. I, I never said that. That was Mace who said I'm the head coach offensive coordinator. I'm strictly a pulse guy. Well, the reason <laughs> why worried, I went... I'm not worried about X's and O's. The I reason why I went with you for... Kind of just no. jamming. But the reason why I went with you for offensive coordinator is because I know your philosophy on offense and what kind of scheme that yeah. you want, and I have right. a lot of confidence Innovative. in that. I, and I, I think I trust you to... Wow. We're, we're going to be on the same I'm page. I'm honored. I'll take that role. DC. Um, Brandon's the owner and DC. <laughs> <laughs> he actually is a DC for yeah. his son's team. Um, we have a guy with... DC initials, even though he covers the uh, Rockies. Drew Creaseman. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll go there. We're running low on football. Yeah. I guess we can elevate Hank from Waterboy. <laughs> and and then so we, does that mean that, that... And then Kale? Kale's the Waterboy. Oh, yeah, or Brendan. <laughs> okay, what's our mascot? I don't care. The only place I'm putting my foot down here is our colors are black and gold. Yeah, I knew that was going to be... And there is no NFL team with that, is there? The Saints. Oh, yeah. There's is like we uh, gotta throw. We gotta throw another. I'm gonna say, and this is kind of ripping off the Vegas Golden Knights. I think I want to throw in some red trim. I don't do red. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's the compromise here. <laughs> and also, don't forget, Ooh, Brandon great. Spano's our owner. Don't even and he go probably there. wants some red. <laughs> don't even go there. We're, we're, um, no, it's just black and gold. But you guys can choose the mascot. <laughs> Um, they could be the Apollos, like your jacket. Yeah, uh, aren't they starting a season? Oh wait, no, never mind. <laughs> the AAF is dead. <laughs> R.I.P. Um, you know what? I, I when I uh, when I would play Madden more and cre- I'd create a franchise, I always created the Raleigh Rottweilers. Well, that sounds fierce. But I assume we're basing ourselves out of Denver here. Yeah, so. The Denver Dogs. Denver Dogs. Akeeb would be on the team. <laughs> <laughs> and Philip Lindsay stays around, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Players would love that. There, Den- are, there aren't enough dog nicknames. I'm, I'm, I, I'm Denver Dogs. 
the Denver Dogs. I mean, double Ds. But the problem is when if you know if we have guys that are showing off, they're like, oh, they're a bunch of hot dogs. <laughs> or if they're just good, or there's just, or if it's just a good looking bunch. Yeah, bunch of dogs. The hot or, dogs. Or when they're struggling, man, these guys are playing like dogs. <laughs> that word can. Oh, mean we can hire that coach from things. was it Coastal Carolina, who was like. I want dogs. I don't want cats. <laughs> yeah, in coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, which is a rooster. Yes. I don't know if you want to hire football coaches that just have like a saying like, give me some dudes, a bunch oh, yeah. of dudes. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, from Missouri Bronco, that was a good question, that even though really it took good. a really long time. <laughs> the fine gents were speaking of sliced bread yesterday, and I need to give my hometown of Chillicothe? Chillicothe. That was close. Chillicothe, Missouri, a shout-out as the home of sliced bread. First loaf sold there in 1928. Wow. Shout out. That's your DNVR fact of the day. Best thing Missouri's ever done, (laughs) except for produce Drew Locke. Left hook Larry says, And Michael Porter Jr. Oh, yeah. Frozen custard, St. Louis. Toasted ravioli, St. Louis. I've never had toasted ravioli. It's amazing. Do you put it in the toaster? No. That's the thing. It's basically fried ravioli. It's got breading, but they call it toasted. Oh, otherwise, then that would definitely be the Italian hot pocket. Kind of is. Because you can't do a calzone in a toaster. It's true. But, but you, you can't, can't do a hot pocket in a toaster. Oh, you're right. What you am can't I do toaster ravioli in toaster. You put it in the oven. You're thinking toaster strudel you, or Pop-Tarts. Exactly. It's misnamed. It should be baked ravioli. but it's Or fried ravioli. Fried, ba- right? fried baked. Because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Left Hook Larry says, Watching Casey lift the Lombardi this weekend was tough, but nothing lifted my spirits this weekend more than RK's comment about Denver sports teams being impossible to ignore anyways, or nowadays. I feel so much pride for my city, and I love being a part of the DNVR community. Here's to the future, boys and girls. Denver will be known as one of the elite sports cities of the 2020s, and we all will be here for the ride. Maybe Denver can be the Boston of the 2020s. Yep. Oh, where people, man. Where there's a, a championship one, and people say, ugh, enough already. The only problem is I, I fear that the Rockies might be bringing up the rear. That's okay. We don't need the Rockies. Uh, the Avs and Nuggets we, are We don't need the Rockies. I mean, some of us are baseball people I'm here. a baseball. I love baseball. But we can live with the Avs and Nuggets alternating titles and the Broncos popping in for a couple. In the past two decades, do you know how many championships the major sports in Boston have had? Eight. More than that because the Patriots alone have six. Oh, and wait, did you say 20 years? 20 years. Oh, okay. The Celtics have one, right? Yep. The Bruins have one. You're supposed to guess, not yeah, do the math. Yeah, you're supposed to guess. One. So it's uh, 12. Twelve, yeah. and they have six in the past decade. They had the most amazing flex of a billboard. It, it was after they had just won one. I think like what the the. It was recent. What two ones end decently close to each other? Is it is it hockey and uh, basketball? hockey and basketball? But th- they haven't won in either of those recently. They had one recently that said like it has been twelve days since we last won a championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was well. The Sox won the World Series in seventeen, right? Yeah, uh, eighteen or eighteen, so that that's that's when it was. It was remember it was the Sox, and then the Patriots won it like three months later. Right, oh. that's when it was. Yeah, yeah. this is just disgusting. The well, logo. yeah, so it's coming around. Avs and Nuggets just alternating back and forth. Rockies playing baseball, and then uh, the the Broncos snagging a couple with Drew Locke. Yep. Well, let just just follow the the Boston plan. Have the football one be the dominant one. Works for me. From Super Bowling. Super Bowling. With Outwater in the Hall, I'm expecting a trip to Canton, RK. I'm thinking the same spot. Best paying for your buck for salads at all of Canton. I don't think we're going to go back to that place. What's, what's the place you're talking about? 
a sketchy, sketchy place. Yeah, it sounded uh, it sounded sketchy. I so we were just setting up a place to meet up after mm. uh, the, the gold jacket yeah. ceremony, and I just found like the nearest bar to the place, and it was one of the bars where you open a door. And you go into a closed room, and there's a surveillance camera on you. Oh! And then if they're if you look chill, then they let you in. <laughs> yeah, that. Ugh. There was literally a button. The bartender had a button to oh open the door. Gosh. Yeah, you, you may want to get you get a little farther away from downtown. There's a pretty good restaurant up on the north side of town that was kind of a bar. They they have it's kind of a bar brew pub sort of thing called the Rail. It's by Sounds a, familiar. It's by that big mall on the north side of Canton. Yep. And uh, that that's the place I'd recommend. Well, if we're if we're there, we'll definitely do a uh, a DNVR meetup again. He goes on and says, maybe even Zatch can come if he spells his name right. Zatch, you almost had me with your today we learned tweets, which are golden, but these takes just justify my rule of never trusting. A Zatch who does who spells it Zach. Aww. I don't know who I don't even know who he's talking about, so that's okay. He says super looking forward to Valentine's Day because I have a suspicion I might be getting the DNVR dad hat. Maybe some stickers too. Oh there you Ooh. go. The stickers are awesome. Next one coming in from Forehead. <laughs> spelled with a PH. Gentlemen, your quick takes on apples yesterday shocked me. I waited for, for one of you to say mention the best apple out there, but you didn't. Honey crisp. Honeycrisp apples are by none the bar none the best apples out there. They are crisp, crunchy, and juicy all at once. Try them today. Having got that off my chest, I'm so thrilled to see Steve make it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Props to the man who stopped the Nigerian nightmare with one epic hit. Cheers, forehead. Yes, the only nightmare after that was the one that Christian Okoye had every night about Steve Atwater. <laughs> yep. Um, honey, I I don't have apple takes. I don't. I just they're, they're honey crisp are the best. I just thought it was so well known. We didn't even need to say they're it. the best widely available. I have no idea. Apple. I don't know what, what what color are those. Uh, Green. They're red. Red with a little bit of yellow speckled in. Oh yeah, I know those. Yeah, yeah you know. Circular. I've had some amazing Fuji apples, but I've had some terrible Fuji apples as well. Have you ever? I feel had, like they're all over the place in consistency. Have you ever had the Harry and David pears? Oh yeah. Oh. Those are so oh, good. Yeah. I've given those I, I boxes of those as gifts, for, and I've received a couple of them as well over the years. It's like dessert. It really. I mean, is. you might as well eat it with a spoon. <laughs> so good. Oh my goodness! Wow. Uh, from Captain Myers. Hey boys, two things. One, what would Drew Lock's sack have to look like to win MVP next season? Wow. Um, like forty to ten. Maybe 35? No, 35 won't do it. Okay, 40 to 40, 10. 45 plus. No. How many touchdowns did uh, Lamar Jackson have this year total? Total? I don't know. Rushing and passing. I think he had 30 passing. 30 passing? You think he had 15 running? No. You don't think so? No. I think that would have led the league in rushing touchdowns. And Patrick Mahomes was, well, Lamar Jackson was a 1,000-yard rusher too. I know. I know. All right, I'll, get, I'll just give you a stat line. Well, what was Lamar's line? Do we know? He had well. He was the first quarterback ever with three thousand plus passing and one thousand plus rushing. Yep. So, all right. The, I'm just going to toss a stat line out here. What do you guys think? Three hundred forty-five completions, five hundred attempts. That's a sixty-nine percent completion nice. percentage. Forty-five hundred yards. Okay. Forty touchdowns, ten picks. Yeah, I mean that certainly gets you into the conversation. That's a passer rating of one fifteen point four. The Broncos are 
12 and 4. At least. I, I was yeah. thinking 13 and 3 if yeah. he has that stat line. Yeah, that'll be that'll definitely be competitive for MVP, which means yeah, the Broncos are going to be very very good. Uh, I'm trying to pull up his rushing yards right now. Um, he threw last year Lamar went 13 and 2, 66% completion, 36 touchdowns, 6 picks for a passer rating of 113. Okay. That's insane. Now the rushing, seven touch, seven touchdowns, twelve hundred yards. So just over forty total touchdowns. Yep, forty three. So, so that's, yep, right around forty five. That's right where where uh, Drew needs to be. Well, he can do forty passing, three rushing. Yeah, yeah, he can. Man, that's wild. That, I mean, also I think what would help uh, Drew win MVP is the narrative of a second year quarterback winning it three years in a row. Like, that would just be so good for the NFL, you know? They're just like, look at all – like, the young quarterback era is upon us. Lamar rushed for 6.9 yards per attempt. Just crazy. That is he's, insane. He's one of, the, one of, if not the slipperiest player I've ever seen. Yeah, not – I mean, in, Barry Sanders, in general, probably. not just quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Barry Sanders probably the slipperiest, but right up there in terms of just you never have him, even if you're in a phone booth. Nope, Exactly. Uh, he goes on, what do you realistically expect Drew's total touchdown number to be as it stands in the current offense? Do you think he hits his over-under? Thanks for everything, Captain. Do you know the over-under? No, I don't think that's out. Well, um, interesting. Just I was quickly going back through the last five Pat Shermer offenses, and the total number of touchdown passes was 121. Across how many years? Across five seasons. So that is so that's twenty a season. That's twenty four. No, that's twenty four season. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm gonna set the over under at twenty four. That's actually right where I was gonna be, but I was just thinking of uh Daniel Jones last year and I was actually then gonna give Drew a bump as it's not his rookie year and say the over under should be at twenty five. But I think also part of it is A the way having Saquon, but also B the Giants being a lousy team, playing from behind, being in passing mode. I don't think this Broncos team is going to be playing from behind as often as the Giants were. Daniel Jones also didn't play every game, so you can give him more of a bump if you want to. Yeah, and I think 25 is a fair place to put it. Drew Locke has one of the most valuable things you can have in the red zone, which is a rocket arm to fit it into small areas. I think they're going to try and utilize that as much as they possibly can. So I'm gonna, I, I'd set it at 25, and I would take the over. Okay. Mouse rat. Chocolate chip pancakes. Warm. Perfectly cut square of butter on top with a waterfall of warm maple syrup overflowing down the sides, engulfing the underside of the pancakes. It It may be breakfast for lunch or dinner, but this is always a solid option. Surprised it hasn't been mentioned. That sounds like dessert, actually. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not surprised <laughs> it any... hasn't been mentioned. That is, you know why? Because that's, that's amazing. breakfast. Well, it's also just... Um, not sustainable. <laughs> it sounds amazing, though. I haven't had chocolate chip pancakes in a long time, and also, they are amazing. Waffles are way better than pancakes. 500 times better. That's a bad take. No. But French toast is better than both. Well, I think the thing with waffles is how the the indentures capture the syrup a little yep. bit. You can throw some blueberries on it. You can, If you want to do the chocolate chips, you can put, put those in. blueberries on pancakes, though, too. I and mean, we do that all the time. Put them in, off. in pancakes. In, yeah. put them on top. Why would you want to do that? Do frozen blueberries on top. So good. Um, yeah, French toast is better than both. But 
pancakes are better than waffles. It's, you gotta, I got to take you for the best pancakes in Denver, and then I think you might change your take. It's that hole in the wall? Yep. <laughs> Where is this? Oh, I can't reveal it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's in North Denver. Okay. Uh, next one's from Captain Myers as well. He says, Granny apples will forever and always be my favorite. Also, uh, halos are the best type of mandarin oranges and clementines. I could eat those for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I could too, okay. and snacks and dessert. Next one coming from Litvatsky. <laughs> hey, one to start off and say Honeycrisp apples are the goat. If you haven't tried, you need to. Anytime we just mention anything. People want to weigh in. I love it. Also, I see Lamb falling in the draft in a few mocks and Denver picking rugs over him. Is that what you would do or what's best for the Broncos? Um, Lamb fall. I would. Lamb over rugs. I I would would take rugs. I would take rugs. Mace? I'd take Lamb. Fair. Do you believe Mahomes should have been the MVP? He had two interceptions. I personally believe it should have gone to their running back or many other players. Thanks, no. as always, OG MVP, Liv Vasky. We discussed this yesterday. It's just there weren't – Damian Williams' good game was a, produ- a product of Patrick Mahomes. Also, his rushing yards were inflated by the last you know offensive play of the game for them, so – and most, I mean, it depends. Are you going off stats or what the meaning of most valuable is? The way I view it, if they didn't have uh, Damien Williams, could they still have won the game with another running back? Yeah, Damien Williams, to me, didn't do much special. They could have played any running back on their depth chart, and I don't think it would have changed yeah, anything. It, could they have won the game without Patrick Mahomes, just insert any other quarterback? Absolutely not. Right, like Matt Moore, No, they don't win. The third and 15 play, even if, let's say the Chiefs had had Damian Williams run for the touchdown on that drive. And even then, I still think Patrick Mahomes is the MVP based on third and 15, just fading back and the Niners winning at the line of scrimmage. But the fact that Mahomes could just fade back and fade back and still uncork a 61-yard throw in the air, that's MVP. Exactly, exactly. All right, before we move on, I want to give a shout-out to Denver Rubber Company. They are your go-to for anything you need, if it's custom and if it's rubber, uh, especially if you need to get those snowplow uh, blades custom made, we have a, a little pile of snow out in our um, our parking lot here, and it was so close to melting, and I was so happy. But then the snowplow <laughs> came through last night, and now it's a giant pile once again. So I assume they use Denver Rubber Company because it is a high quality snowplow. But make sure that you use Denver Rubber Company anytime. You need custom rubber made. Call 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. Bronco Duck says, as a kid growing up, I was surrounded by a lot of Niners and Seahawks fans. I was a corner in safety from middle school through high school, and I remember middle school coach telling me, pick number 42 for the best safety to ever play, Ronnie Lott. I told him, nah, Steve Atwater is better. I'll take 27. Sadly, the number was already taken, but I didn't take 42 purely out of principle. I loved Steve. His passion and physicality made Broncos games that much better as a kid. So many memories come to mind. I'm just happy for Steve. I'm proud, so proud to be a Broncos fan. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Well, I wonder, growing up around a bunch of Niners fans, if Bronco Duck was pulling for the Niners or the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Probably the Niners. Niners. Yeah. No, no Bronco Okay, there were a few Bronco there fans, were. but not many are rooting for the Chiefs. I didn't understand it. From, Cameron J. From Cameron J. So, so I thought Ryan was blowing smoke when he said that DNVR shirts, specifically the one that Philip Lindsay loves to rock, were, quote, the most comfortable shirts you will ever wear. Nope. 
If anyone is on the fence about buying some gear, you won't regret it. Love the fit, style, and comfort of them. They truly are. Like, I'm not lying when I say that's by far the most comfortable shirt I've ever worn. He says, I'm sure you guys will be going over the draft a ton soon, but now that the dust has finally settled on the season, if you could draft the best offensive tackle, wide receiver, defensive lineman, or cornerback in the draft today, who would it be? Exclude potential free agent uh, casualties and pickups as that's a rabbit hole. In other words, what is the single most needed position our roster stands on today? Cheers, Cameron J. Well, I think his question means something different than what he said at the very end. Because if it's just what's the single most needed position, I would say left tackle. But he says if you could have the best OT, wide receiver, defensive lineman, or cornerback, then you have to take into effect who the best players in the draft are. And for me, you would take Chase Young. If you're going defensive line, would you with this team? I, actually, I'm, I'd say Chase Young or Jeff Okuda at corner. I think if Chase he, Young is the best non-quarterback in the class. And so, yes, I would take him and just figure it out. Figure it out. So is that saying bye to Vaughn? No, not right now. The point is to just double down on these guys and just have the best pass rush you could possibly have. If you do that, I'm saying bye to Vaughn, though, because you have three guys at two positions. Well, you just create. You just so ma- you put Bradley Chubb down occasionally, you put Chase Young down occasionally. Not not even occasionally. You figure out a way to have all three of them on the field on every play. If you think you can do play. that, then yeah, that's pretty sexy. I mean, but Jeff Okuda. That's the easiest plug and play. I don't play. think Okuda is better than Judy. On their relative scales. I but would take al- Judy before him. But it's also the fact that the receiver class goes so deep that you well, you assume you're going to get others. Yeah. Have a, the cornerback class, it just drops off. The, pro- the problem with the cornerbacks this year is they drop, off, they drop off the cliff. And that's why I think the Broncos have to go free agency for corner to get what they need if they're going to lose Chris Harris Jr., yeah, I'm going Chase Young, too. I mean, he he's the number one player in in this draft when you take quarterbacks out. Just look at Nick Bosa and just look at the way that he came on the scene, and I think Chase Young is a, a very comparable player. Yep. Next one from H-Town Bronco. After watching the Super Bowl, I think teams will just see how critical it is to have a top-notch defensive line. It seems the way to beat Mahomes is to be able to rush the front 4-3 and just hope the secondary hold their own. I think the AFC teams will start prioritizing interior defensive line, so the premiums are going up after Sunday. Shelby and Chris Jones are about to get super paid. Hopefully, Elway doesn't keep being a stooge. I don't want to pay Shelby whatever he wants. I don't really want to pay Shelby. Yeah. You, you pay elite money for premium talent. Yep, that's you, what I say. You pay, you you pay for special. Uh, Shelby's a good player. Chris Jones is a special player. From Brian, he says, "Hey guys, Brian here. I've missed the last few pods, so I'm ashamed. Uh, but I was wondering if y'all received my package. Tracking says it was delivered and received by Andre last Tuesday. We know there is a package for us <laughs> at the office. We have yet to be at the office to collect it. So we will get to it. Of course, we can't wait to see what you left for us. Can't, can't wait. wait, Brian. AZ Bronco Mike. Hey, guys. Longtime listener and first-time commenter and native Coloradan. Hell, yeah. Yay for Lumba. Denver Omelette. You guys are awesome. Yeah, is Denver Omelette Colorado Cuisine? It has the name. I know, but why? <laughs> I, was it created here? It's a good question. <laughs> Let's find the history of the Denver omelet. My mom actually was listening to the podcast yesterday, which oh. 
was to my surprise. <laughs> um, and she mentioned uh, rattlesnake as a Colorado something that's uh, that you can only get in Colorado or mostly only get. That in sounds horrifying. Okay, Have you ever so, had rattlesnake? Yeah. No, but you you yeah. can get it at Buckhorn Exchange. Probably does it taste like chicken? How is it know. served? I don't know. Fried. Zach looks so, so concerned not, right not. now. Okay, so the Denver omelet. Historians speculate the dish was originally served on bread as a sandwich created by 19th century cattle drivers in the West or by Chinese railroad cooks as a sort of transportable egg foo young. At some point, a breadless version was developed and became known as the Denver or Western omelet. So it was never even an omelet when it was created. The Denver omelet sandwich sounds pretty good, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's from the Encyclopedia Britannica's website. All right. I it's funny how there has to be historians to uh, talk about omelets. The next one's from the Big Dabowski. says, been racking my brain thinking of what I needed to talk to you guys about. Then I remembered. You guys were last week talking about uh, being vegan and being a pro athlete. Zach was amazed at vegan athletes. Sounds like you need to watch Game Changers on Netflix, Zach. Vegan athletes have a major advantage over the normal eaters. Ask Carl Lewis how he won his later Olympic medals. Speak to Patrick something about strength. And speak to Lewis Hamilton about endurance. All will tell you that switching to a plant based diet has helped them build muscle have quicker recovery and longer endurance only a matter of time before all serious pro athletes are vegan the science doesn't lie i could not disagree more. and and, and i think you misunderstood what i was saying the big tabowski i think it's an incredible thing to try i think that there is a lot of failure to this where athletes go to it and they drop weight they can't keep weight on um that their body is starving i mean we've seen it where athletes cannot keep that up. So I think I'm I'm amazed at athletes that try to do this and, and succeed. And, and and succeed. And I bet all of these guys that that you're talking about, the big Tabowski, have personal chefs, have nutritionists that cater just to them and make sure they're getting everything. You can certainly do it. I'm just saying it is very hard and it, it adds so much more to your plate, literally. Maybe <laughs> to your plate maybe it's a question of like what do you need as an athlete like let's say you're having a problem with like inflammation then going to a vegan diet would probably help you out what I, in the, that regard i'm sure that that it can work in in great fashion for certain players what i disagree with is saying only a matter of time before all serious pro athletes are vegan I, I, there's just no way i don't think that happens unless uh different unless like you have vegan proteins that more closely approximate what you're getting in terms of animal-based proteins. The other, the other thing, like, I'll say this. When Demarius Thomas went vegan, it was always interesting because every time over on the old radio station we discussed this, we would get a text in from a phone number that I later fa- that I figured out was connected to, like, the Wyoming Beef Council. <laughs> explaining, oh, you know, he, these are, you know, he, he shouldn't go vegan. Here are the benefits of eating beef. Yeah, I mean, everyone has things that work for them, and a lot of guys have made it work. I just don't think uh, – I think we're a long ways away from that being the dominant diet of pro athletes. Next. I even saw a thing this morning of where Carson Wentz – it was like a preview for All or Nothing. Is that what they call that show? Yes, um, the Amazon show. Yeah, uh, and he was talking to Miles Sanders, and he was like, do you, do you watch what you eat or do you just eat whatever you want? I just eat whatever I want. And I was like – <laughs> but i mean that's how most guys are yeah right marvin Chris harris, harris chris mm. harris once saying 
I never have to watch my diet. I can eat whatever I want, anytime I want, and it doesn't change anything for me. Marvin Harrison famously subsisted on McDonald's for long stretches of his career. Marvin Harrison is a... There should be a 30 for 30 about him. (laughs) That's an interesting dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I talked about him right before the pod. Um, Moving on from Larry Den Jr., so my friends have dubbed me Homer Simpson because they feel I'm a homer and lack objectivity when it comes to the Broncos. But I'm right far more than I'm wrong. I knew Cortland was going to be a stud his rookie season, and he was comparable to Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, and DeAndre Hopkins, etc. They didn't believe that I thought Cortland could get open. Was the second They thought he was the second coming of Cody Latimer, SMH. I believe in Locke. I wanted Elway fired. I truly believed his imprints on the offense was holding the team back. His mishaps on the offensive line for years. The QB band-aids and i uh had enough with suppressing lock i've been watching lock tape over and over and i feel so bad for scangarello number one and bulls number two we let go of billy turner and didn't re-sign paradis mcgovern was great guard depth if not starter and billy turner as well we could have kept paradis elijah wilkinson is abysmal at tackle my question is that patrick mahomes ceiling i think drew has it with better mobility because drew is more athletic than mahomes but there's so many more plays where Drew's going to extend and make plays, and Elijah Wilkinson gets beat embarrassingly like Michael Schofield against Khalil Mack bad. We didn't get to see Locke's full potential. How much can Pat Shermer change his number one and number two? Is a make-or-break year like playoffs or bust for L.A.? He has too much cap space and too many draft picks uh, and talent for this team to not be at least a wild card okay. team. What's okay, interesting wait, wait, is wait. focusing on Wilkinson, though. Okay. Because what was Drew Locke's best performance, his best half? With Wilkinson. With Juwan James. Or, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, in Houston. And I think the topic of Drew Locke's ceiling is bigger than just one comment. So we'll make that a first segment later this week. How's cool. that sound? Sounds okay. great. And uh, just one thing that I, I couldn't uh, dis- disregard in here, Larry Den Jr., is I know you don't like Elway, but Elway was the one to land Locke. Yes, he was. And if he does that, then everything else is kind of going to be forgotten. Took a lot of luck to land a lot, oh, but it, it did. Oh, it certainly did. Yep. It certainly did. I wouldn't have let it got <laughs> to that point. But I will say that I know that he was one of the highest people on lock in the entire organization. John? Yep. 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 There were a lot of people in there that thought he might take lock at 10. Yeah, as I would have. And I thought he was going to. I thought he was too. World of Sucks says, just want to stop by real quick today and defend Kyle Shanahan. They were killing it in the run game, and folks are criticizing him because he went to the passing game late in the second half rather than continuing to rely on the run that got them there. Dan Orlovsky pointed out that if you subtract Debo Samuel's end-around run early in the third quarter, the Niners were only averaging three yards per carry in the second half. Neither run nor pass was working for the Niners in the second half. The Chiefs adjusted at halftime, big time, and that's why they won. This loss wasn't on Kyle. Like y'all said, Garoppolo just d- isn't good enough. The, the, my question is, why didn't you keep going to Debo on the end around? It worked four times. I like Kyle Shanahan. He's a great coach. I would love him to coach my team. He messed up in the Super Bowl. It's he, not, he but did. It's, al- it's also not a binary. You can say that both Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo's shortcomings were both culpable in this because – Kyle Shanahan's play calling could have been better as far as they need to stick with what was working. But nevertheless, it's 24-20, and Jimmy G's got Emmanuel Sanders on the post. And if that pass is on target, maybe they hold off the Chiefs. The Chiefs decided 
in the second half, we're going to force Jimmy G to beat us. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't do it. So, overarching, I say that Jimmy G is most at fault, but Kyle Shanahan is not uh, innocent. And in the first half, Kyle Shanahan also seemed to have the miscue of, of time management. And uh, so, they, when you lose or when you win, it's not all on one person. As we're finding out with the MVP debate, who should have been the Super Bowl MVP? It could have been a few people. It wasn't all Patrick Mahomes. Who was responsible for it? It wasn't just Jimmy G or Kyle Shanahan. It was everyone. Yep. Richard Sherman got beat deep over Sammy Watkins. For sure. I would just say that if the 49ers had a better quarterback, they were going to win the game. Maybe. From Bobby Lanks, gents, I'm calling my shot. Drew Locke will be the sec- third, second-year quarterback to win the MVP. Mahomes, Lamar, and Drew Locke. Your thoughts on this possibility? And Mace, has this ever occurred three years in a row? I bet it's never even occurred two years in a row. Yeah, actually, I'm going through the uh, the MVPs right now, just taking – a look at the all-time winners and let's just focus on second year winners um shoot uh let's no no i'm i'm back at uh 06 05 the, the last second year player to win mvp was uh kurt warner because he was a first year player as a backup for the rams in 98 and then the greatest show on turf right and then the following year was won by marshall falk seven-year veteran Okay, at the time. so that doesn't add up. Right. I would guess it's the first time it's ever happened in back-to-back years, so it's definitely going to be the first time if it happens three years in a row. Yeah, because like the history of MVPs is guys winning it. Uh, you know, Dan Marino was a second-year MVP in 84. Next year, it was won by, won by Mark Salen, a four-year guy. Previous year, Joe Theismann. I believe he was in his 10th year by then. What could help or hurt just as much is the new scheme that's coming in. Right. The new scheme could propel Drew to where it fits his strengths perfectly. Opposing teams have no idea what hit him until week 12, and then he already has 38 touchdowns at that point. Or the new scheme could really slow the entire offense down. We talked about it when they made the move, Ryan. Two steps back for or one step back for two steps forward. Does that one step back? first half of the first game, then you take those two steps forward. Does it take 11 games until you're taking those two steps forward? Um, That's something that is probably the biggest unknown regarding Drew Locke right now. If it takes 11 games, they're in big trouble. Because I don't know if if he's going to have the same offensive coordinator next year because they might be, you know, in big trouble. If it takes 11 games, then actually – it sort of rides on the defense because let's say it takes 11 games, but your D is a top five D and you're six and five. And then he figures it out down the stretch and you win, say, four of the last five or five of the last six or something like that. If, if that's the case, then maybe you look like the Titans this year, just emerging late. It is crazy to say, but I actually would be more – in belief of Drew Locke winning MVP if they didn't change the offense. And I'm the person who likes the offense. It's just that it usually takes until the second year in an offense for you to fully bloom. But at least the language is the same. And I think that's a key thing. Usually when you're changing the offense, you're changing the nomenclature. This year you're not. And I think that's going to give him an advantage. And I spoke with someone recently who said they have absolutely zero concern that Drew Locke will be able to learn this offense quickly. He's learned a lot of other offenses quickly. Bleed orange blue. What warrants a player to get his number retired? Doesn't getting in the Hall of Fame count? I feel that any player that has played the majority of his career in a franchise at an elite level and gets in the Hall of Fame is enough. Champ, Atwater, Sharp, TD, Little should have their numbers retired. You can't. 
No, it's just I think the standard should be first going ballot. forward first ballot Hall of Famers, which means you have to see, okay, Trapuca and Little, that's done. Can't undo that. Don't forget but that, the Manning, uh, the little Manning footnote. <laughs> I want Manning to have his own banner after For next year. For the love year. of God, I agree. And then that Elway, he was first ballot. He has his number retired, and that's why I would add Champ in there as the next guy. I, I mean, like that. How, well, the question is – you can't retire 10 numbers. No, you can't. So like, it's only going to grow. The Broncos are underrepresented and, and they're already in that in that range. So can do some teams have 10 first ballot Hall of Famers? Yeah, but they don't. I'm talking about for the Broncos. Remember if you if you could I mean you could take out 44, but you can't unretire a number once it's been retired unless you have the Trapuca family giving the approval for Peyton Manning to bust out 18 in Denver. So I think first ballot Hall of Famers are still exceptionally rare enough to where you can have that be the standard. And the other thing is your regular season roster, it's 53 guys plus 10 on the practice squad. Plus, let's say you have like even in a bad year, you have 15 players hurt. That's 78. So if you have 10 numbers retired, you still have 12 to spare. The only time you're doubling up is in the preseason, but it's the preseason. Teams have, you see it in college a lot, you see it in the pros too. Offense, you know, you have an offense 53 and a defense 53. Happens all the time. Yeah. You do you do first ballot. I, I, I like that a lot. Um, was Shannon Sharp great? Yes. He was elite. Easy, right? Mm-hmm. One of the best ever. Not first ballot. It, when you see a Bronco wearing 84, do you say that's disrespectful? They should never be wearing that number. Not really. I don't. I don't. With with Champ Bailey, yeah. Yeah, also, right? Also, the Broncos set the standard by not giving out that number for a while. Right. And so we got used wrong. to it, and right. then they gave it to someone who didn't deserve right. it, and then it felt extra dirty. That may be historically the worst thing that happened in the Vance <laughs> Joseph era was reissuing 24 to Pac-Man to a, Jones. To a 57-year-old. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, it was, and like, with all due respect to Pac-Man Jones, he's like the opposite of Champ Bailey. Um, the disrespectful truth, right yeah, there. Exactly. Um, I think first ballot Hall of Famers is a fair. I, I just like to have an actual thing, so no one has. There's no quabbling over it. It's were you or were you not, and then the conversation's over. And so then it, after Peyton Manning, the next guy you're talking about is probably Von Miller. Yep. That's I think that's fair. The yeah. weird thing is when you're going to be down three quarterback numbers when Drew Locke goes in on the first ballot. <laughs> now your quarterbacks have a lot less to work with. But then again, they're not sharing zero. They're not sharing one to nine with very many others because wide receivers can't have numbers in that realm anyway. So it's like zero to nine is only is quarterbacks, kickers, and punters, and quarterbacks can have numbers in the teens too. For sure. So it's it's okay. All right, next one here from Bronco Nugs. What would it take to trade up to the 8-12 to 12 range? Maybe a third or two-thirds? A pick next year? I'm thinking the Raiders want a wide receiver. If we can get in front of them, we get the better pick. And if we get to the 8-12 to 12 range, we could get Jerry or Lamb. We could even grab Simmons or the top left tackle with all of our draft, cap, draft capital. I just feel like we need to give up a pick and get the best wide receiver. I don't want to see the Raiders pick a guy to have to see him two times a year and think, damn, we should have traded up ahead of him to get him before the Raiders. If you go by the draft value chart, 15 to 12 represents a late third-round pick. But premium means probably to get to 12, you're probably throwing another pick in there. 
Third and a fourth, I have no problem. Okay. So to 12, I think it's doable. But to get to pick eight, for example, on the draft value chart, it's a difference of, let's see, eight is 1,400. It's 350 points. So basically, that's the equivalent of a mid-second round pick. So I, you're, I would do Would that. you give up your second round? Your, or to, yes, trade your second rounder to get up to eight, and then trade two of your third rounders to get into the second. Yep, I'd do it. So you're basically going. You're down to a one, a two, and a three, like normal, yeah. easy. Mm, but you just got an elite, elite player. I guess it just depends on who the guy is. If it's Judy, I'm in. If it's the top tackle if available, it's the problem is we're also in a world where it, now this was 13 picks, but it was I believe what 27 to 14 when the Saints moved up, and they sacrificed a one, and the price of moving up is higher earlier in the first round. So a team may look at 15 to 8 and say, no, we don't just want one two. We want two twos. Yeah. I think we want that, two next year. I, actually I wouldn't the, do that. The most ideal scenario here is to get two first-round picks, even if that means staying at 15. If you can get 15 and 25, I think that's the best thing you can do with and, all this capital. And the way to do that, probably the best way, means you're out of the second round, but you're taking one of your threes plus your two, and you're moving into the back end of round one. You could probably be sitting at pick 28 or 29 with that sort of deal. And then then you're going two ones and two threes. You might be able to do it for uh, two threes to get from the the middle of the second round to the end of the first. But you're still giving up your two. So 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 what I'm saying is a two and a three to get in the back hat. You're moving up from mid two to late one. So you end up with two ones and two threes. And then yeah, and yeah. then if there's I'd be okay you, with and that. And if there's someone you really want in the second, then you can trade your two threes. Yeah, I like it. I like. I'm all about moving around, especially up. with all these picks. You have twelve. They're not going to make the team, so don't waste them. Yeah. You're not going to have twelve guys make the team, so get it down to eight. But what could be more valuable though? Like on the back end, you're sitting with potentially a couple of extra second, seventh round picks based on compensatory selections, maybe you're taking a couple of those sevens and making them into a sixth, yes. for example. That's the sort of that's another sort of deal I think the Broncos could make, even though it's not nearly as sexy as the high draft deals we're talking about. Also, if you have a way to get another pick in the top 100 and you end up taking like five or six players in the top 100, uh, what do they have right now? How many do they have? They have five in the top 100. So if you can get six in the top 100 and get out of some of those late picks, I'm in mm-hmm. for that too. The goal should just should not be to get a bunch of players. It should be to get as many good players as possible. Exactly. And the sweet spot of this draft seems to be day two, as yeah. far as the, the the quality of depth that you're going to get some second round quality on through the late third round. Yep. Final one coming in from Broncos 2000. Hey guys, just want to say I'm so happy Steve Atwater is in the Hall of Fame. He was my dad's favorite player and I can't believe he got in. Honestly, I was totally expecting him to get snubbed again. Also, I got my free shirt and it's amazing. I got the rest of my family to look into shirts and they're thinking about getting some too. That new Nugget shirt is awesome. I totally agree with you. Next, so I was thinking about it, not to get caught up in the Mahomes debate again, but let's say they pay him big-time money this year. They can't pay their free agents as well, especially Chris Jones. So let's say you signed Justin Simmons to a $13.5 million per year over a four-year deal and James Bradbury to a $10 million per year deal over three years. He'd be perfect for the scheme, and he's, going, and he's got the size to be your outside, letting Callahan stay in the slot while not costing a premium. What would you be willing to pay Chris Jones? What would your contracts look like? Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. I don't, uh, 
If Chris Jones wants to come here, I'm literally handing him a blank check. Would you pay him uh, five years, hundred million? Yes. So t- yeah, twenty million a year, I think, is what you have to expect. And if he wants twenty-two, do it. I don't. I don't care. How much of that is guaranteed? Uh, I mean, a five-year deal is is too big. Um, I don't even know if anyone wants to give a a five-year deal to him. But if it's let's say it's a oh, four-year, he, he's on the open market. Five years. Then that's fine. Okay. Uh, I guarantee three. So sixty. Yeah. The guarantee, I think, is going to be fifty or six, fifty to sixty on Chris Jones. Did, what it was Calais Campbell? Did Calais Campbell get a five-year deal? I don't think so. I don't think he did either. I think they're very different, though. How old was Calais Campbell? Wasn't it his second contract, or was it his third? No, it was his third. Okay, that's different then. Because Chris Jones right now is twenty-five years. What about old? Malik Cal- Jackson? Calais was four years, sixty million dollars, with thirty million guaranteed. The guaranteed portions were his first two years of base salary and a six million dollar bonus. Okay. Oh, what, like Malik Jackson? What was his deal? Was it four? I think it was four. Was it fourteen million a year? Right around so, there. So, yeah, I don't. Five is pretty rare. No. <laughs> Jaguars signed him to a six-year, oh eighty-five point five million the guarantee? contract, thirty-one and a half. So basically, it was kind of it was a two. It was two-year guarantee. Yep. Okay. That's yeah. That's irrelevant. The I mean, I guess that you can stack on unguaranteed years as much as you want. What's well, what the Broncos did with the keep to leave? I mean, they signed him to a six-year deal, but effectively it was a three-year contract. Now, to to Leap's credit, he played well enough to eventually earn that entire six-year deal. How rare is that yeah. in today's NFL? Yep, yep. So I guess uh, if he wants five years, give him five years. If he wants twenty-two million, give him twenty-two million. I just for me, you get a week in your your biggest obstacle while also strengthening one of the most important parts to beating them. It's a double win. I, I don't care what the, num- the what the money is. Fair. Very fair. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us today on the DNVR Broncos podcast, one of the longest ones we've had in a while. And before we let you go, as you may know, taking care of your teeth is really important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental are giving away a free Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, just call them, 303-988-0711, to get your appointment and get that Sonicare. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all the great iTunes reviews, and we'll talk to you soon. It's getting-